Okay, so when you're adding the idea of crafting to a campaign, mm. in your opinion, what is the most dangerous aspect of doing that as a DM? Okay. Oh, let's, let's roll, roll for it. Yeah. I got an at 20. 18. I, I'm eight. so good at this, I'll never roll a 1 in my life. I'm, go- <laughs> yeah. I'm going second with an 18. I got the 8. I'll go last. All right. So I think it's pretty obvious that the moment that you had crafting, your control over the items that the party gets their hands on mm-hmm. is out of it's out of your hands now. Like yes. it's up to a player to decide who gets what, and it can be very fickle, mm-hmm. and it can also be really imbalanced. And man, I don't like crafting in fifth edition. I just think it's that it's hard. It's it, it's not even just hard. Like the moment that you start to do it, it adds. It's a weird addition. It's a holdover yeah. from previous editions, and it's a weird addition to this um, to this game because it's well, the town time activities are so weird. They in are, fifth ed. Yeah. and really, if you especially crafting, if you actually want to even be able to do it in fifth ed, like you need six months of downtime if you want to craft something that's actually interesting rather than just a basic sword. Yeah, yeah that's like, right. These, who's got six? I mean, unless you're doing a long-term campaign, you suddenly have a break of six months. Like, yeah, it, well, it's like three hundred days or something for plate mail. It, oh yeah, it's, it's absurd. It's, but, yeah, but then you end up with like gnome tinker nonsense as well. Like, oh, well, I'm just gonna create these these incredible boots of of striding overnight. Overnight, yeah. And yeah, yeah like, just touch no, it. No, there it is. No, but you're you're not uh, you're not a smith. Mm-hmm. You can't make gauntlets and shields. You're a tinker. Like, there's no real mm-hmm. definition of where the difference lies. I, I feel like it really needs either a rework or some serious homebrew if you're going to include it at all. Yeah, I think the, a danger from a DM point uh, perspective as well is that that is suddenly where all of the attention goes mm. as well in yep. town time. Is now everybody's crafting their own stuff and off doing separate things. And it, it, it runs the risk of the party kind of separating off to do their own projects now instead of yeah. sort of staying together. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, people are, are naturally going to be selfish with this stuff. Like, no, I want my boots of whatever. I'm going to yeah. go and do this. Okay, so now you're not going to go and speak to the mayor with everybody else to have this conversation. Yeah, just so you can go meet with the blacksmith. you need the eight hours to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of was on the same thing with my biggest challenges to it, or, you know, biggest risks. And one of the other thing is uh, party infighting is a big risk. If all of a sudden you've got one person, because you're probably not going to do this in session, right? Crafting... With a player, this is going to be your midweek content. I think think a lot of people sit around the table and say, okay, downtime, everybody, heal up, long rest, you have three days off in town, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, the nitty-gritty, right? The player might tell you, yeah, I'm going to go visit the blacksmith and start forging something, or I'm going to go to the leatherworking and start making something, and you'll kind of cut it there, and the rest can be midweek. Yeah. But now what happens when the rest of the players see, oh, this player suddenly came back with this magical item that I didn't even know was an option. How come I didn't get a magical item? And now you've got imbalance in the party. Yeah. No, that's that's a major issue. Yeah. And that's honestly why I like the Artificer, because I, I feel like they fixed that. Yeah. Well, yeah, that you can share it around too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to It's a Mimic with your DMs, Adam, Brad, and Terry. Welcome to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, the roundtable Dungeons & Dragons discussion, where you never know what you're going to get. I'm Adam, and with me are Brad and Terry, and hello. today we're talking about... Oh, we don't say hello anymore? No, we don't say hello anymore. <laughs> You've been gone so long, you don't even remember <laughs> the format of this. 
Let's recraft this this intro. Welcome to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, the roundtable Dungeons and Dragons discussion, where you never know what you're going to get. I'm Adam, and with me are Brad and Terry. Say hello this time. (laughs) (laughs) Don't say hello. I said we don't do that anymore. And today we're talking about artificers. (laughs) I'm leaving again. Hi, Terry. I'm not coming back. Oh, man, guys, this is the episode that we've been trying to get done for, like, three or four weeks between snow outs and Terry being out of town and then strep throat rocking both Dan and I. <laughs> yeah, you got to quit making out like that. Oh, you're like the ninth person that's made that joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll make it again. But <laughs> I regret nothing. We will just never stop. <laughs> no, I'm, I want you to know that. But it's been as weird long as it's, recently. As long as it's worth the strep, I'm not going to knock you for it. Well, the, you know, when your beards get tangled, you know, mm. it's difficult to pull away. I don't know the feeling. <laughs> And neither does Terry. <laughs> Me neither. Me neither. I don't know. Although I was FaceTiming my dad the other day, and he did comment on how my beard is looking oh, better. I thought that was going a totally different direction. No, he was like, your beard doesn't look as crap as it used to. I was like, well, thanks, Dad. It's good to see you as well. That's the most backhanded compliment. I know. Uh, all right. He has a very good beard, though. Um, so there are a couple of things that we should talk about really quickly before we even touch on artificers. Two real basic ideas, and the first is the concept of crafting in Dungeons & Dragons. Crafting is difficult. We talked about it a little bit before the intro, and it takes a long time. It takes a lot of of, um, materials that you got to go source out. Like, this is not something that you do kind of on a whim. And when you do it, it eats up your spare time. Mm-hmm. It is your sole focus outside of yeah, it, combat. Yeah, it really is. Your downtime, and it, your like downtime, your eight-hour rest does not include this, right? Because no. you can't be crafting. That's not part of the rest mechanic. Yeah. So this is you something else. You up schematics, I would say, but not necessarily doing the crafting, right? Because <sighs> you don't have to be sleeping, right? You need, what, six hours of sleep? But the other I, two, I would you say, can probably be yeah, I'm sketching. Sketching in your notebook, right? I would consider it reading. working, though, right? Uh, you're, yeah. You're, you're not resting. You're working if you're crafting. Or well, we kind of can include that in a wizard's downtime, too, right? Reading their spell tomes, practicing new spells. Yeah, I mean, that's an argument for it as well, yeah, yeah. I suppose. But I, I I feel like if you're an artificer, then I would say yes, absolutely. Oh, for sure. If you're not an artificer and it's just something that it, as part of your background that you're a clan artisan, I don't know. Depending on the level that that you're working with, I think that you're going to sink a huge portion of of your game time into the idea of crafting, and it's never going to pay off the way you want it to. Yeah, because no, in D and D, you're going to find gold. Yeah. To buy this stuff, or you will just find it faster than you will be able to craft it, mm-hmm. right? And as a DM, balancing that can be a real challenge for some people. The other thing that we should talk about for artificers before anything else is the idea of tool proficiencies. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't understand what a tool proficiency is and how it works. So the basic breakdown is like this. There are many different kinds of tools. Each kind of, of tool or kit or set of like dice or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, these, these items can have many different checks applied to them, depending on how you're using them. Take, for example, a calligrapher set. You can do a performance check to see how beautiful you're writing, or you can do a, uh, and so that, that's a performance, or you can do sleight of hand for forgery, Forgery. right? But they're two different roles. You may not be proficient in one or either of them, but because you're proficient with a calligrapher set... Now you have proficiency with this role. You can add your proficiency modifier. Right. So 
that's a really complicated way of going going kind of around the whole idea of proficiency and yeah. choosing your skills when you want something that's really specific. You're thieves tools, but you didn't take sleight of hand. Yeah. And, and you're not proficient with it, but you're you, using the thieves tools. But you have proficiency with thieves tools, you still have proficiency with that check. Right. Right. So it's important to know that as an artificer, because that shit's going to come up all, all the time. time. The idea being that again. you could pick a lock, but that doesn't mean you could uh, pickpocket somebody. Exactly. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, um, so I feel like these are some very basic ideas that people like the idea of really early in the uh, in their D and D career, and then the more they dig into it, the more it's just not worth the time and effort to deal with tools and kits. I mean, how many people say, "Oh, I'm proficient with an herbalism kit." And How then, often does herbalism come up? Yeah, yeah almost never, almost right? Never. Unless but, you're looking for a MacGuffin. Yeah, but every single one of the campaigns that I've ever DM'd has had someone say, oh, I want to, to have an herbalism kit. Specifically that one. Yeah, for right. some reason. For poison weapons and different yeah, things. And yeah. it just never comes up again, mm-hmm. right? And as a DM, I have to bend over backwards to either come up with something or find out why they wanted that in the first place and then give that to them without yeah. using the kit. Right, so the artificer fixes this by really focusing on it. Um, I guess the last thing we should mention is for those of you that don't know, there are really powerful magic items, um, and like there are some mundane magic items, and then some you know minor magic items. But the more powerful they get, the more likely you're going to need to attune to it. You're going to have to um, understand kind of the ins and outs of this item and become magically bonded with it. Now, I haven't been playing that long, but that's a new addition for 5th, right? Yes. Attunement wasn't really a thing in previous editions, not to the degree it is in 5th. Right? Yeah, that's right. So, um, a way to prevent power creep was the idea. Yes, and you can only ever be attuned to three, three items. Yeah, items. that's right. Up until, until now. now. Until now, yeah. <laughs> right, so um, we heard, I think it was Dan was ranting and bitching about attunement a few episodes back. Um, Brad, you and Dave were, were bitching, uh, in the mailbag episode. The mailbag episode, we discussed this, absolutely. About crafting and whatnot. Yeah. And so I'm glad that we finally came around to this, um, to this episode. And that's why I'm so glad that you're sitting in on this and that we kicked Dan out, so. Yeah, Um, and I finally got a chance to meet Terry. (laughs) Finally. (laughs) Yeah, I have never met until tonight. I'm going to download this mailbag episode right now that I didn't get to listen to. (laughs) You'll enjoy it. Apparently I need to listen to it. You did. We spoke very highly of you the entire episode. I I am not a bad person. (laughs) You have a brand. All right, so let's jump into Artificer specifically now. So Artificers come from the realm of Eberron. They are part of that campaign setting. They've been tied to it since 3.5, and they don't really pop up in others until... We get this little um, this little block of information in the Eberron book, which says, "Hey, you know what? This does exist in other D and D settings." I loved this piece of flavor text. Yeah, but it's very rare in others. It's far more um, more prominent in Eberron. So, with the idea of of artificers, kind of breaks down to the idea that you are crafting items magically. Yeah, you are all about magic items. There's some magic in the past. You didn't. You weren't necessarily a spellcaster yourself. Mm-hmm. That's changed now. You very much are a spellcaster, and you can cast spells yourself. Half caster, though, no. Yeah, but but before you were not a caster. Not at all. Period. Okay. You only could use magic items. Right. So um, now now you can cast spells even without magic items. It behooves you to use them. Of but, course. Yeah. Um, but 
they're always looking for artifices are out in the world looking for new lore, new items. It's not enough to sit back and say, hey, you know what? I'm really good at crafting magical boots. That's not who you are. No. That yeah. is not what this what this class is about. This class is about going to find out the the going to find the philosopher's stone. I want to turn lead into gold. Yeah. Right. They want to it, it's not enough to say, hey, you know what? I make alchemist fire for everyone in the kingdom when they want to come get it. That's just that's just a merchant. Mm-hmm. Right? That is just someone who can who's an alchemist that can just craft this one thing and sell it. That's not you. You are an adventurer. You're going out to find ancient, lost, or brand new and undiscovered um, magical items and, and materials and ways of thinking about making physical items that have a magical property to them. Right, yeah, your whole thing about being an artificer, right, is you're trying to push the bounds of magical items, right? You're trying to expand. Everything that's within the region that's been discovered, it's been done. Yeah. Right? You're looking for the next big item. You want to make a name for yourself by crafting the next big magical item. Yeah, it's think big as in don't don't think like tinkerer. You're more like magical engineer. Like yes. you're thinking on a grand scheme. If you have the ability to do this, you're not thinking small town stay in the shire with this stuff. Oh, no, no absolutely not. Yeah. I, and, and I picture pioneers from like the West, right? When they were pushing West and they had to, they didn't have the comforts of home. They were solving new issues. They were looking for something new. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's funny because what I think of is the, um, I don't know if you guys have seen Indiana Jones or, or Hellboy. I've heard of them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Terry, have, Terry. are you aware of these films? I think I've seen one of the Indiana Jones. Yeah. Back when he was Missouri Jones. <laughs> I was a child. <laughs> no, I saw the, the... Oh, the Shia LaBeouf. The Crystal Skull. Yeah, I saw that. Oh, that was good. That, that was the best one they've oh. ever made. <laughs> anyway, do you guys know what Indiana Jones and, and Hellboy have in common? They're both played oh, by uh, Harrison Ford. No, the, no, hold <laughs> no on. both played by Ron Perlman. Uh, I'll, I'll even include uh, the first Captain America movie, Red Skull. They all have Nazis going after mm, magical items. Uh, That's what I think of for Nazis. for artificers without the evil. Without the Nazis. Well, they with, could. With, well, I mean, you know, you do you, but but don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> do not do that. You do you, but Let's, don't do don't that. Don't do that. Excellent motto. <laughs> <laughs> Check the merch store; it'll be up. <laughs> so, um, no, that's what I think about: is these people that are saying, you know, what I've heard that there is this ability to do this crazy thing over there. I want to capture that and replicate it. Yeah, right. These are guys who are like werewolves exist. How can I make an item that can make someone a werewolf? Yeah, with a flick of the wrist or press of a button or drinking a potion, right? So, right. Um, but let's get into the the class. Features. What are we talking with? Well, or what are we talking about with um, artificers? All right, let's get into it. First and foremost, um, there's information in the uh, Eberron book about uh, multiclassing. We're not going to touch on that. We'll do an episode of multiclassing in the future. So let's just jump into the base. Base. Uh, let's do it. Um, you got one d8 hit die, which is pretty standard. standard. I agree. So far, good for a wizard. Or for an intelligence caster. Yeah, I'm a big fan of being an intelligence caster, but you're jumping ahead. Let me get to it. So, um, you get medium armor and shield. You're proficient with light and medium armor. It mm-hmm. makes sense to me. The medium armor surprises me. I see an artificer in leathers. In leathers, which is light armor. I guess, yeah. Well, no, I'm thinking studded leathers. Sorry. Studded leather is kind of how I picture that. 
I wonder, I'm wondering what the justification for the media armor is, because as we go through this, there may be some arguments, which I will give later, on how this class is overpowered anyway. And so... Oh, it, oh this, this is the beginning of, of power creep. Yeah. That very much is. Yeah. Let's start right off by saying, this shit's unhooked. So I it wonder is. what the justification for medium armor, especially medium armor and shields. Uh, <laughs> with a D8. And I think that what they're trying to do is keep you on par with a warlock. Yeah. Because we get the, uh, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Infusions, yes. which is, uh, very similar to the invocations. invocations exactly. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, I, I see an artificer as a mid to frontline fighter, anyways. I don't see them as a backline caster. We'll get into this, I think, with some of the subclasses, but. Yeah. Some of them, some of them will be, some of them, some yeah. of them won't be. So, um, you are, you're also proficient with simple weapons. I like that. Yeah. I'm glad that you're not. Swinging around nunchucks like no, it's makes sense. it's pretty yeah. straightforward. Makes sense. Um, you are proficient with thieves' tools, tinkers' tools, and one type of artisan tools of your choice. That's three tool sets. Yeah. Now, based yeah. on our discussion just a couple makes of minutes ago, it makes sense flavor wise. That's powerful. Oh yeah. yeah, because there's a lot of very circumstantial things that you can do uh, with these different tools. Thieves' tools. I mean, do you do you even need a rogue in the party anymore? No. Tinker tools, do you even need a gnome in the party anymore? Yeah. Well, do you ever? <laughs> also, do you ever? also, why Dan is not yeah. here. <laughs> the, the gnome rogue. All of Dan's um, characters we, are now irrelevant. <laughs> can we just say that at this point, going forward, no more gnome talk? No, it'll come up over oh, and over that's again. That's unfortunate. Um, uh, your saving throws are constitution and intelligence. I think that's the only time you ever see that. Yeah. So this is unique, yeah. and I like that quite a bit. The constitution makes a lot of sense. But okay, so because if you look at the subclasses and what they do, oh, yes. they need to be a little they, bit hardier. They do. Yeah, and that, that's the thought I had. I was like, constitution, why constitution? Until I got to the subclasses and I was like, oh, oh you got to have a little bit about you. <laughs> I mean, if you're building an artificer, you're going intelligence, <laughs> constitution is your yeah. top two. Can't be on a low-protein diet if you're doing this stuff. <laughs> um, for skills, you get two of arcana, history, investigation, Medicine, nature, perception, or sleight of hand. Mm -hmm. Now, you also have those... Two seemed really light, yeah. but you also have whatever your background is going to give you. Whatever your Volo's race may give you. Yeah. And then also these tools. Yeah, I think it's... Due to the tools, I, yeah, I think it's um, it's you're fair. You're yeah. efficiency elsewhere. Yeah, it looks really light on paper, but you're going to be absolutely fine with this. But is there any reason why you would not pick up investigation as the as an artificer? That's the no, go-to. It's got to be right. And Arcana kind of just makes sense. I can understand. I can't imagine not taking Arcana from a flavor point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's your, your little job is arc infusing things with arcane energy, right? That's your my, my favorite thing is ship. that is that with with Arcana or investigation or even sleight of hand or history. You're giving up all of these make perfect sense. You're giving up perception. Oh uh, yeah, that yeah. Which hurts. which really I think that like that tickles me. I like the idea of the artificer who's got his nose down in whatever he's crafting, you know, a yeah. foot from his face and not paying attention to the shit going on around him yeah. until suddenly oh, yeah. Eureka and then he throws it and shit blows the up. The magic missiles are flying yeah. overhead as he's like tinkering with his little yeah. watch. Yeah. Hold, on, hold, on, hold 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 on! Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that's kind of perfect. That's it. That's exactly what I want in a yeah. campaign. But yeah, the most used skill in D and D, you're probably not going to want to be proficient with. But yeah. already, what we're seeing here is you have to, get, and we won't, I won't go too deep into it right now. But you already have to, you have to switch 
all of that old school way of thinking with this with these types of characters. Yeah. It, yeah. You can't go the traditional route. You have to oh, think outside the box. Oh, wait for it because the next really optional rule is firearm proficiency. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and there's a little paragraph there about, you know, if, if you want, you can look up firearms in the DMG. Uh, that little paragraph is called the Second Amendment, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> so, we're in Canada. We don't have that. Leave it in the book. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you get... Uh, uh, at first level... Hold on. Let's go back. I want to touch on the equipment for a second. Oh, sure. Yeah. There's one thing I noticed that was missing. I don't know if any of you caught it. Uh, you get uh, two simple weapons, sure. Light crossbow, whatever. Set of leather, armor, scale mail. Cool. Thieves tools and a dungeoneer's pack. What's missing from that? Well, you're not getting your other tools, your tinker's tools. You're and not your... getting artificer's tools. Your tinker's tools, right? Yeah, which, which you're proficient lot, with, but... But you don't get. Now, I was doing some research on this. And uh, Jeremy Crawford did mention in an interview, he said you can always get it from your background. Yep. Or you get starting gold, you can buy it. But still, why not just... Everyone need You need it. If you, we're going to get into the abilities here. You need Tinker's Tools to do half the things that you do at first level. I think it's almost something I feel like I would hand wave anyway. But, I think so. But, but yeah, it's just strange. It's, it just looks like... It seems like an oversight And to me. honestly, for me, when I look at the equipment that they list, I always skip it and just tell whatever the players are, hey... Here's your starting gold, and get yourself a weapon and armor that is reasonable. Don't go nuts. Yeah, a shield if you would. Don't go nuts. Right, mm-hmm. like, and I we let common sense take over, and then I round them out with a mundane magical item or yeah. whatever. Sure. Right, so um, it just seemed like an oversight to me. The cod piece of charisma just gets added. <laughs> <laughs> you call that mundane? <laughs> um, <laughs> welcome back, Terry. <laughs> Uh, All right, so let's get to it. Uh, The very first thing that you get at first level is magical tinkering. So you essentially get to add um, magic into mundane objects. There are four different things that you can do, um, but you essentially get a tiny non-magical item, and you can imbue it with uh, either the ability to cast a very little bit of light, um, or it can become R2-D2 at the beginning of A New Hope mm-hmm. and just give a very short message. Yeah. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. Mm-hmm. And just repeat it over and over again. Um, or it uh, can make a smell or a sound that's nonverbal. Um, not the, the smell, obviously, is nonverbal. The sound <laughs> the sound is nonverbal. It's not a word. No. Right. Um, and uh, Or you can have like a, a basic non-moving visual effect. So... Think of like a rune that appears on an object if you get close enough. You say the magical word or you press a button or whatever it is. Or Obi-Wan's hologram. Yeah. (laughs) So um, the cool thing is that whatever you do, it lasts indefinitely. Yes. So there's no time limit on any of these. So your Triton, who really should have dark vision, Mm -hmm. considering they're underwater... And they just don't automatically get that. That's when you you give <laughs> them, yeah. yeah. That that's when you you give them the ability to have an object that casts a little bit of light for five feet. I mean, well, it's it, better than nothing. It's ten feet because it's, it's dim light beyond, right. right? Yeah, it's better than nothing. You're gonna need it, yeah. but it gives you that idea of the exploration and leaving messages behind. And that was totally how I pictured it. Almost like breadcrumbs too. If you want to find your way back, you just drop a little pointer here, which is. Going to bring me to the first time that I'm going to point out that an artificer feels like he's always going to split the party. Right. I think so. Oh, in what I, sense? I, what in what sense are you thinking that? First of all, he's never going to do town time with the rest of anybody else. He's right. always going to be off doing his own thing, his own yeah. projects. Yeah. He's yeah. also going to be 
just completely distracted by that magical shiny thing over there while everybody else is fighting. He's going, no, but but this thing glows. Yeah. So yeah, I'm don't going touch this that way. thing because yeah. it's clearly a trap. Right. But right. I must know. A trap. Yoink. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right? And so, I can learn something from this trap. Yeah. Uh, and, which leads, brings me back to gnomes. Right? The gnome yeah. artificer. And that is the classic trope here is Absolutely. the gnome artificer. Is. Who is just blowing himself up consistently and giggling about it running away. Yeah. So the idea of, of being able to leave messages and cast a little bit of light and then wander around by yourself with just, just enough for you mm-hmm. to see really does feel like the artificer splitting the party. Mm-hmm. It's kind of yeah. built in. Um, and I kind of like that because he is a little overpowered, needs to be able to take a beating and get back to the party. <laughs> um, I'm on board. You also are a spellcaster, which is a little bit strange for me for an artificer because before they were they were unlocking it from an intellectual standpoint, like the magic within items, and then using it. But that was back when we had a skill called use magic device. Yes. Right. We don't have that anymore. No. So, um, hmm. And also, you you need to have specific tools to cast as well. Um, you, you do. Uh, you actually cast through your artificer tools, um, or your artificer, your artificer spell effects get cast through your tools. So you must have a spellcasting focus, uh, thieves' tools, or artisans' tools in hand when you cast uh, with any of the regular artificer That is spells. super flavorful to me. I absolutely love the fact that you're... Tinker tools or your tools are your spell focus. Yeah, but it's it's interesting because it's not it's not a uh, an arcane focus or a holy symbol. Whereas specifically those ones, you need to have the materials. Yes, it doesn't say that here. Well, you still need to have the tools to cast the spells, right? Because you have to use them to cast the spells. But in theory, it it says that you need the tools, but you do not need the materials. Right. Well, I think that that rule is at a different point. That rule is that if the spell if the spell itself requires materials, that's where that rule is going to be listed. Yes, it's not going to list there. Oh, by the way, you still need the materials on all of the other tools, uh, or on on the other arcane focus. It says and it there. It says it there too. Oh, um, really? Yeah, it says uh, you need to have the the um, depending on what what the yeah. focus or holy symbol or whatever is. It says you need to have the. Um, the components, yeah, but they don't get used up, if right. under certain circumstances or whatever. If you have a, a arcane focus or or holy symbol or whatever it is that, that you're wielding, so you still need to have the basic thing. You just don't waste that that diamond when you're casting your spell. Right. It doesn't say anything about having the diamond for an artificer. It doesn't say that in the you're using your tools. At no point does it say you use it like a holy symbol. Hmm. It just says you cast through your tools. Hmm. I don't it, know what I would rule there. I was going to say, but yeah. it doesn't say that you don't. Well. Right? And that's part of, like, general spellcasting in the spellcasting rules in the player's handbook mentions that you need to have material components, which I would also assume with Artificer, you actually consume your... It artific- says directly, to, to observers, you don't appear to be casting spells in a conventional way. You look as if you're producing wonders using mundane items or outlandish inventions. So that suggests that you don't need to, because because conventional way would be producing the diamonds, sprinkling the dust, yeah. sm- the back guano into the hands, you know, mm. all that stuff. Yeah. So it really does feel like there's... Uh, I, I feel like it's going to be around tables where they're going to say, hey, I don't need spell components. And I may grant that. Yeah. 
rules as written. Only because of that line where it says you do not appear to be casting spells in a conventional way. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. conventional way is hand movements and material components. Yeah. So would you say then you also don't need the verbal or somatic? Um, it doesn't say anything about it. Right. One way so it or just other. says you need the tools to use. Yeah. So you would rule as long as they have their tools. Yeah, now... But now, what happens when they lose their tools? Yeah, I'm going to say, that's super crippling. Yeah. Right? Because you also have to have hands free. You do, yes. Right? To cast with the tools. And, I mean, you're proficient with shields and weapons. You you probably are not doing that mm-hmm. in battle. So... Yeah, you've um, got to drop something. And I may even say, right at the start, session zero... Is your character right-handed or left-handed? Yeah. Are you dropping your shield or your or your sword? Here? Yeah. I, I love the idea of you dropping your sword to pull at your quill to cast this spell. Yeah. Yeah. But now you don't get an attack of opportunity as a kobold runs by you. Yeah. Now, there's an interesting bit in the book here. It talks about the magic of artifice, right? It says, as an artificer, you use the tools when you cast your spells. When describing a spell casting, think about how you're using a tool to perform the spell effect. If you cast Cure Wounds using alchemist supplies, you could quickly be producing a salve. If you cast it using Tinker's Tools, you might have a miniature mechanical spider that binds wounds. So again, here, it doesn't clarify. It's I mean, this is just flavor text anyways. Yep. Yeah, it doesn't clarify anything about... Well, that's... it, And even that, it's giving examples of casting spells in a non-conventional way. Mm-hmm. So the the materials and whatever's being used there is, is not what you traditionally yeah. would use. It actually yeah. comes down a little further. It says, as an artificer, you don't study a spell book or pray to prepare your spells. Instead, you work with your tools to create specialized items you'll use to produce your effects. So yeah, I, I think I'm with you on this one. Yeah, so I agree too. So yeah, it's it's not so much that I, I like this spider knitting oh, yeah, together. That's wounds. fantastic. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Is you are producing little clockwork items to replicate spell effects. Yeah. Yeah. So um okay, so let's go through what you can actually do as a spellcaster. You can get a whopping at 20th level, two fifth level spells. So you're a half cast. Yeah, you are. Right. You're paladin and ranger and warlock, right? You're this is the same conversation. Arcane trickster and Eldritch Knight. This is the same conversation yeah. we're having. I mean, we'll get into it later. There's things that make up for that. Oh by far. more more than enough. Yeah. Can you, you also imagine casting ninth level spells on top of everything we're gonna get too? Yeah, it, it makes perfect sense here. You also get uh get a maximum of four cantrips. I don't think you need anything else, especially with what yeah. we're gonna dive into here a little yeah. bit further. Yeah. Um, it's the regular numbers, uh, for your spell save DC, except you're using your intelligence modifier. So you're like a wizard. This is going to be your other intelligent yeah. class. Up until now, you had one option for intelligence casters. Yeah. Um, for intelligence casters, yes. I can make a strong argument for rogues being intelligence based. Oh, sure. Intelligence based. But, yes. but this is, in my opinion, like the third class. Yeah. That's, uh, and... We were lacking in intelligence. Honestly, characters. like I'm thinking of it as a as a relief. It's 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 good to have another option, yeah. another another powerful option. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you also get ritual casting, so you can cast some rituals, which is fantastic. It's got a wonderful list of spells that the artificer uh, can cast. Now, I don't see anything here about new spells, so I don't believe that you get any um, artificer only. Spells. Right. Nothing jumped out when I went through the list. I think they've all... Um, it's really helpful. There's an asterisk next to the ones uh, that are in Xanathar's. It says uh, in brackets whether or not it's a ritual. So it's really useful, but you can see it. It's less than a half a page in the book when you take a glance at it. But if you guys notice, beyond cantrips, there is very freaking little that is an offensive attack spell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's utility. You're a utility caster. Which is why I think you have a weapon and a D8 hit die. You are up there mixing it up 
Or you're saying, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, fly. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but again, this is because you have to think of this class differently. You have to think outside of the box. This maybe isn't a class for a new player at all. Oh, it, oh no, no, definitely not. Because you you got to know a little bit about the game. you got to know what your options are. You have to think very exploratively with this yeah. class. Yeah, I, I feel like this, again, sits with the rest of the half-casters because they're a, they sit in a unique... Um, kind of a unique realm of needing to know a little bit of everything. Yeah. And yeah. having a unique perspective on the world. If you're going to play a paladin with the different tenets that you get, that's radically different than every other class out there, right? The idea of the ranger with all the exploratory things and the party buffs that they give, like Pass Without Trace and and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, there's a different mentality that comes with there, whereas a fighter and a barbarian can very much just be smashy. Yeah. And a wizard and a sorcerer are really close. And a cleric and a druid are serving kind of the same ballpark of, of a party role. Yeah. Right? Um, but, no, I really like the Artificer for, for standing off to the side and doing its own weird thing. It and really it, is its own unique. And I love it because, again, it feels like it's a ball of a party buff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yet also wants to split the party with things like, it gets Mage Hand, which is fantastic. But it gets Dispel Magic and Fly and haste and um water walk like i just feel I, like it's going off in that direction to do shit I see, back in a minute. I see our artificer playing a lot though like a bard depends on the bard depends on the bard but you know, we're not it's getting... kind of that support role right it's but but, they... a, but a bard is a face of a party and i don't it think is. an artificer is. Artific- no. oh no that is true so i love the idea there's of still room the, for both for sure the haste spell with like the the clock the little uh, yeah. pocket watch yeah <laughs> yeah I think it would be a lot of fun, like, choosing your spells and then figuring out what the items are that you use to cast them. Yeah, I play, like, honestly, like, Q from James Bond. Don't yeah. touch that! This is, <laughs> I had that in my notes, actually. I'm glad you touched on that, because I 100% thought Q for this. Yeah. 100%. Um, okay, so at second level, you can infuse items. So you get the ability to imbue mundane items with certain magical infusions. Um, and so... There's a whole lot here about how to infuse an item and different infusions that you know, and we will cover those another time because sure. there are there, so, there so many infusions. They're like the wizard or the um, warlocks and invocations, right? Yeah. So because and the uh, and the sorcerer's meta magic, right? There's just yeah. so many different options. Uh, another good example is the Beastmasters. Um, what are, what are they called? All the different oh maneuvers or uh, whatever. It's a ranger. I don't pay enough attention. No, that, that's a fighter. But oh, sorry, the so, beastmaster. Sorry, yeah, no, yeah. So yeah. anyway, um, but there are a bunch. And I, ideally, what you're doing here is you are creating different items. They give you a list of options, and you can choose which ones that you want to make. You can have a maximum number of it. Yeah. Anytime you make a new item, you have to get rid of the oldest one in existence. So if you made four. The first one chronologically that you made when you disappears when you make your fifth. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, but you can just if you don't want that one to disappear, you could just dismiss one of your other ones yes. and summon a new one. Sure. So, um, but there. But if, if you forget, there is a maximum, and that that maximum increases significantly. You start off being able to do it with four, and by the end, you end up being able to go with twelve. Twelve. Oh wow. Yeah. So twelve magic items, and from that. That crazy ass list that yeah. they give you two. Now but, you can't have two with the same infusion. That's, that's right. worth noting, and you cannot put the same infusion on more than one infusion on an item. Okay. So you would actually have to have twelve items and each one with a different infusion. You know how the druid has that list 
oh, that's written down of all of the like wild shape that I can do. Yeah, I yeah. can turn into this, or I can turn into this, or I can turn into this. Sure. I feel like the artificer has that for the items that they've crafted, mm-hmm. and who has them, where are they, um, what do they look that's, like, how are they, and like they're consistent. That's the other cool thing like is you can hand them out to the party. Yeah, like there's oh, one that lets you yeah. reload a weapon without taking any other extra action. It just and you don't need ammo. As soon as you fire it, it automatically reloads a crossbow. Mm-hmm. You could give that to your ranger or your rogue. Yeah, or you could give it to your, your squishy wizard. Or your squishy right? wizard, yeah. And they don't have to worry about reloading or anything like that. It's just pull the trigger, shoot, and it's ready to go again. Love it. Um, so the subclass, uh, the subclasses are called specialists. Yes. For the artificer, which is fun. You get that, that at level sense. three like you do with everybody else. Um, you also at level three get uh, the right tool for the job where you learn how to produce exactly the tool that you need. And uh, with Tinker's Tools in Hands, you can magically create one set of artisan's tools in an occupied space within five feet of you. So remember before when we said you get these tools, Tinker's Tools, and one other thing? Yeah. yeah. And then it said, hey, you get these tools. Yeah. You didn't get Tinker's Tools. You also didn't get the other tool proficiency as well. Right. I feel like this makes up for that. You don't need yeah. to carry that now, with you. Does players need to remember it does take an hour? You can't just go boom, I need this tool right now, let's do it. You yeah. need to have an hour to summon that set of tools. But it will work with a short rest. Yes, it will. Which is unique because this is one of the handful of things mm. that that you are allowed to do while you are doing a short rest instead of just sitting there and resting. Yeah. So um I think that that's I think that, that makes it overpowered. Mm-hmm. So um you get your regular ability score improvements. I mean, at, sorry, before yeah. how long? How often is that going to come up though? That you need a set of tools that you don't have. Every time there is a puzzle or a riddle in front of you, right? But then you're taking a short rest. You need to be able to. Yeah, I I think that a lot of adventuring parties take short rests. Yeah, a, they do. And you will use the opportunity to say, as long as the DM allows it. Well, the short rest, right? The, as long as the DM allows short rest, yeah. yeah. But you will take that opportunity to say, hey, look, I'm going to make a new sure a new thing. So. Yeah. Um, so you get your ability score improvements at 4th, 8th, 12th, 16th, and 19th, which is standard. Mm-hmm. Um, you get at 6th level, starting at 6th, you get a proficiency bonus um, that is doubled this is for any ability fantastic. check that you make that uses your proficiency with a tool. Perfect. So now you're even better mm-hmm. at doing something. You're probably not outclassing the rogue because they you're get a not. bunch of crazy yeah. Yeah. double proficiency shit as Expertise well. Expertise stuff, yeah. Yeah, but um, you're definitely outclassing your ranger and your fighter and, yeah. and the others, right? With so. anything requiring a tour, which is actually a lot, right? You can justify a tool for a lot of things. <laughs> yes, I can. Um, <laughs> but you... Uh, you I justify have... being a tool every day. <laughs> <laughs> it's my God-given right, yeah. God damn it! Oh, I'm sorry. I thought this was Canada. <laughs> I thought this was Canada. <laughs> um, starting at seventh level you gain the ability to come up with solutions under pressure when you or another creature that you can see within 30 feet this is what makes us overpowered mm-hmm. oh yeah um when you make an ability check or a saving throw you can use your reaction to add your intelligence modifier to that roll. Yeah. That's wild. This is a paladin that isn't is this the one which is sorry you or any creature within 30 feet of you yes yeah. Yeah, that's massively powerful. Yeah, and you you get to do this a number of times equal to your intelligence Which modifier. Which at this level should be at least four. Yeah, yeah, at seventh level, it's it's four or higher, definitely per rest. So everybody's long. saving. So four times every a day. round. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so per long rest, and but the crazy thing about this is that the paladin's auras are those thirty feet. I'm 
believe so. This is a Megan question. No, there are some that are like within 10 feet shorter. and yeah. 15 feet. This is more powerful than some of the paladin auras. Right, right. I see. You, you do have different auras at different levels, so some of them are... are um, what's the word I'm looking for? They have, they have better range. Right. So, um, but this is very much... So far, we're we're on par with a rogue. We're we're on par with the spellcasting ability. I think we're better than a warlock for spellcasting. Yeah, and uh, we've got a lot of the party buff that a bard has. Yeah, mm-hmm. and now we have the paladin save mechanic as well. So, yeah. so you're the jack of all trades and master of many. Yes, but I, but again, you're not good at every dexterity no. check. Or every athletics check, just the ones that your tools would would help with, right? Yeah. So, or the one you're really worried about making when you give yourself yeah. advantage. Yeah. This is a hugely valuable character to keep alive. Yes, you know when it's like someone's got to die, probably the fighter, definitely not the. Uh, yeah, you don't want artificer. your artificer going down. I, I feel like when you were doing when you have a campaign um, or a mission. We the whole thing is keep the artificer alive. We need to get them yeah. to the final chamber yeah. to unlock the thing, right? I feel like a lot of artificers are hiring parties as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, at tenth level, you become a magic item adept. This starts this to get wild. stupid. Wild. So you achieve a profound understanding of how to use and make magic items, which means you can attune to up to four magic items. At okay, once. this is level yeah. ten. So level, level ten, 10 you are already yeah. getting. Yeah. To- uh, which. I mean, you're halfway through the game, and you're yeah. getting your fourth. This one's not broken. Don't sure. worry, we'll get there. If you craft a magic item with the rarity of common or uncommon, it takes you a quarter of the normal time, uh, and it costs you half as much as the usual gold. Which is what we talked about in the cold open, right? It takes so long to do. Now it's suddenly a little more reasonable. Yeah, and I feel like this is this is on par with the wizard's ability to write things down in their spell yeah, book for quickly, cheaper. right? So. Quick and, and Quick cheap, and depending on uh, which school they're in. Yeah. Right. So, um, at 11th level, this one's my favorite. This is my this favorite thing. At 11th amazing. level is your spell storing item. You learn how to store a spell in an object. Whenever you finish a long rest, you can touch one simple or martial weapon or one item that you can use as a spellcasting focus and you store a spell in it. You can choose a first or second level spell from your artificer spell list. As long as it only requires an action to cast. You don't even need to have it prepared. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which means it can be anything. You can have your prepared spell list and still be like, hey, you know what? We're going to drop this spell over here. So the wording is a little bit interesting on this because it says one martial weapon or one item that you can use as a spell casting focus. Yes. But now we're going to get in part two of this. Yeah. When holding the object, a creature can take an action... To produce the spell's effect from it using your spellcasting ability modifier. If the spell requires concentration, it must concentrate. The spell stays uh, in the object until it's been used a number of times equal to twice your intelligence modifier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like eight times minimum. So now yeah. so now your fighter is casting Bane eight times for you, so you don't have to worry about that? Yep. Yep. Um, or, as a DM, I like this idea. Have something that's stealing items off of your artificer. Hmm. Yeah. And now they're using your spells against you? Yeah. Yeah. But uh again, the next time that you go to uh to use this feature to storm yes. on a spell, the it's old gone. one dissipates, right? right? So you can do this. But at least in that combat it can be But it's a that's a whole day's worth of 
of a yeah. good spell that you just like you, honestly you're just passing off onto your martial classes at this point just but hey put a uh, healing spell on something so your uh, frontline fighter can keep himself exactly. up exactly okay monk there you go you got that eight times see yeah. you in a bit I'll be doing yeah. fireball over yeah, here yeah haste on your monk Yeah, here's a haste item for you yeah here's my quill hold yeah. this you'll be good yeah right and that's that's insane so anyway it's very cool but very powerful at 14th level this word starts to get dumb you get your fifth magic item that you can attune to beauty <laughs> love it and you ignore all class, race, spell, and level requirements on attuning to or using a magic item. Love it. I just imagine how the Iron Man suits kept getting better and better. Mm. This I, 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 I'm thinking about Captain America picking up Thor's hammer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just, yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He can do <laughs> he that? Yeah. Right? I just love the idea of you picking up the elven boots, putting them on, and just like running away like, wait. What the? <laughs> yeah, what, what the fuck? <laughs> so You're not allowed to do that. Um, at 18th level... You can tune up to six magic items. Six. Beauty. Double. Love it. Plus all of your crazy... Um, Everything you've had up until in, now. Infusions as well. This is insane. Yeah. This is... this. It's way too much. Oh, that's what I love. The infusions are not included in this magic items. They require no attunement for mm-hmm. the infusion. Well, some of them do. Some of, some them, of them do. But um, and, and then at 20th level, you gain a plus one bonus uh, to all saving throws. Per magic item that you are currently attuned to. So plus six. So plus six, yeah. <laughs> you alright there, Terry? So now you're just like, I don't know. To all saving throws. You're basically just all of the Avengers in one, and, yeah. you, and you can't be hit by anything. So yeah. I'm well, never wait. playing anything else ever Also, again. <laughs> if you're reduced to zero hit points and not killed outright, you can use your reaction to end one of your artificer infusions, causing you to drop to one hit point instead of zero. Which at this point you have 12 Mm. You can do this 12 times. Yeah. So as long as you're not killed outright. So now you're I mean, you're going to be down to one mega. hit point. So if you get hit again, you're, there's a good chance. I mean, you got a D8 hit pool. You're not that Well, small, that's the last event. So now you're Hulk as well. You're also you level 20, die. right? Yeah. It's like you've, yeah, you've got some And you probably got a magic item that also keeps you from so dying. You're, you're the last person standing in the final battle now as well. Yeah. Just with one hit point for 12 rounds. <laughs> just one I could down. do this all day. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> Stay down, man. Alright, so um, really quickly, the infusions, I'm going to go, I'm going to just kind of list them out real quick. Do you guys want to jump on to one that sounds interesting and we can cover it? We'll roll dice. Go through the whole list. Sure, go through the whole list. I'll remember the ones that sound good. (laughs) Alright, so we have, um, these are the things that you can, in theory, um, in theory make. Boots of the Winding Path, Enhanced Arcane Focus, Enhanced Defense, uh, Enhanced Weapon, a homunculus servant, radiant weapon, repeating shot, replicate magic item, repulsion shield, resistant armor, returning weapon. That's it. Yeah, that's mm. all. So there's a lot of fun stuff in there. There's so many. What do you guys have? One that's just, just sure. what? Well, what do you Hold want? We'll, we'll roll. Let's we'll roll. roll. Let's roll for it. I got a six. Thirteen. What's my eighteen? You're sixteen. Oh, six. Do you want to go first or do you want to defer? I was uh, curious <laughs> about repulsion shield. Repulsion shield. All right, so uh, uh, you have to be a sixth level artificer, and this does require attunement, and it has to be on a shield. So, like, you physically need to be carrying a shield for this. You gain one, a plus one bonus to your AC while wielding the shield. So, so now it's plus three shield? I guess, and it has four charges. While holding it, the wielder can use a reaction immediately after being hit by a melee attack to expend one of the shield's charges and push the attacker up to 15 feet away. 
The shield regains 1d4 expended charges daily at dawn. So now I'm an artificer with medium armor and a plus three shield. Where's my AC at right now? 18 or 19? Yeah, you're up there. Yeah. Well, and you can combine that with magical armor, which yeah. is also another plus one. Like, there's, you can just keep stacking this. So, yeah, yeah. Or, alternatively, you can give this to somebody else in the party. It, these items don't have to stay with you. No, that's true. They don't have to stay with you, but they could. You but can, they could. You now could. you can be tank man, <laughs> essentially. Oh, we'll, we'll get into some tank Fancy talk. Tank don't man. you worry. Yeah. Uh, what was I? I was 13. Yeah, you're next. Yep. I touched on it earlier, but the repeating shot is one that jumped out to me. Now, unfortunately, you can't put this on more than one weapon. But I picture if you got your shield and a hand crossbow in one hand, you don't need to reload a hand crossbow anymore. Right? You don't need that free hand to do that. So, uh, just to go over it. Magic weapon grants plus one to attack and damage with it when you just make a ranged attack and ignores the loading property if it has it. You load no If you load no ammunition to the weapon, it produces its own, automatically creating one piece of magic ammunition when you make a ranged attack with it. The ammunition created by the weapon vanishes the instant after it hits or misses a target. So it's just mm. this magical repeating, oh, reloading. Just, oh, it's just a magical... Yeah. Just, oh, okay. So just a magical re uh, automatic reload. Yeah, I like it because it'd be useful. Yeah. Right. Like Hand crossbow you can't use with a shield. Right. Now you can. Now you can. Yeah, I like it for that. Two shots off. So... The one that I picked was the homunculus servant. We had to I touch on it. You have to yeah. touch on it. This is this is my favorite because you can't you, ignore it. So you craft essentially a small construct that, or a tiny construct, is very very tiny, and uh, it follows you around and does pretty much whatever you want. Um, you uh, you determine what it looks like. Some some it says uh, choose birds. Others choose little winged vials or little animated cauldrons mm. to walk around. So I love the idea of you just having little objects with legs yeah. that, that follow you around. Um, it's friendly to you and your companions. It obeys your command and you get a full stat block. And this thing you is do. kind of beefier than I thought it was going to be. It's better than your eight. It's AC is level 13. Yeah. Or, really? Or, wow. Yeah. Right. So your it's AC is 13. It's hit points equal the constitution modifier, which is one, plus your intelligence modifier, so four or yeah. five, plus your level in artificer. And you have to be minimum six level. So this thing's got at least 11 hit points. Yep. Yeah. It's going to be able nothing. to take a decent hit. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it shares your initiative in combat. It does have uh, a, an attack. It also, as a reaction, delivers a spell that you cast that has a range of touch. Um, so you can cast yeah. a spell, and then as True. a reaction, it'll hit mm -hmm. on, on its well, at the end of someone else's turn. Right. Um, and uh, and it, can, uh, it can move and use its reaction on its own, but the only action it takes on its turn is a dodge action, unless you take a bonus action on your turn to command it to take the action in its stat block, or dash... Disengage, help, hide, search, you know, the basics. Well, that's good because um, it's 13 AC, but you're trying to hit it with disadvantage if it's taking dodge action. Yep. Yep. And uh, and if you cast uh, Mending on it, then it regains 2d6 hit points. Oh, well, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, so... Uh, for a cantrip, you can basically bring it back up to full health. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, you would you would probably pick up Mending if you know you're going to go this yeah. direction. The other one that's worth mentioning here is the... Uh, Replicate magic item. Yeah. There are five tables here that That's, you yeah. um, can essentially roll on. That's an episode. <laughs> yeah, depending on which uh, which 
level you are at as an artificer, you can choose which of these magical items from the freaking DMG that you just craft. <laughs> just straight up, here it is. And how long does it take to craft them? Uh, you can learn, so this one you can learn uh, multiple times, but each time you do it, you have to choose a magic item uh, that you can make. Um, it, so you have to choose a different one. Uh, the table's title tells you which level. Um, yeah, it's the same rules as your standard infusions, right? So it's at the start of the day, basically it's part of your long rest. Yeah. You pick them. Very powerful. Yeah. Uh, like you can get yourself a ring of free action or a ring of protection at 14th level. Oh, just, wow. okay. I want one. Here it is. I have it. Dimensional shackles. You can just say, hey, today I might need these. Yeah, the belt of hill giant strength. Yeah. You just decide give, to have one. Give that to your barbarian. You Here even, you go. Yeah. You have to be a very confident DM if you're going to allow this class to play within your game. Oh. Because uh, you have to be able yeah. to adjust very quickly. This is the kind of, of of class that I'm comfortable having at my table. However, I feel bad for the DM that is DMing me as an mm, artificer. Yeah. Because I'm going to sit back in my free time and just daydream ways to stack this shit up for other people. I also like to think of next level ways to fuck with people. And so I would I would love this class. And I think yeah. I will play it well, soon. Like I said, <laughs> I don't ever want to play another class. Yeah, th this is... Well, it's so powerful. It right? is. Um, okay, let's jump to a commercial really quick before we jump into the subclasses. Sure. Hey guys, Dan here with It's a Mimic. I'm here with Adam, and we have a couple exciting announcements to throw at you guys. Yeah, we have a couple new social media sites that we're really happy and excited about being a part of, including TikTok, and we have our own uh, subreddit now, which is r slash It's a Mimic. Yep, we're also starting a second channel that is going to be live play focused. It's going to be our actual play stuff, so it's going to be where you can find all of our old Call of Cthulhu, our Wizard's Tower, our Christmas special, uh, as well as future projects coming down the pipe like a new Call of Cthulhu? Yes, we've got a couple of fun things coming with Call of Cthulhu uh, this year and we're already gearing up for it. So anyways, we've got these two channels, we've got this new social media, but what we would really like is to ask you guys for a little bit of help. We don't have a Kickstarter, we don't have a Patreon, we don't have a GoFundMe. We have a dinky little donations button down in the bottom of our website, but we're not even asking you for money right now. We're asking for your voices. Yeah, so word of mouth is super important to get the word out on the new channel, the new social media outlets that we're, we're engaging in now. So if you could do more than just lend us your ears and lend us your voices as well, whether it's on Reddit or through our regular Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is, cross posts, links, whatever you can do to give us a hand here would help a lot. We are eternally grateful and that's why we want to give you guys more of a voice as well, which we talk about in the shoutout and the campaign builder. And we'll be moving forward with more interesting ways of audience interaction as well. So, again, thank you guys so much for listening. And I don't know about you, Adam. I'm really excited for year two as we're moving on here. Yeah, I really think... <coughs> hey, God damn you. it, Adam. All right, guys. So, there are three different subclasses here. Uh, we each chose one as per our usual routine. There's an alchemist, an artillerist, and a battlesmith. Let's roll to see who's going to go first. I got Ooh, 19 oh, for me. Oh, oh, oh. Eight for me. Oh, you guys can finally get a break from my voice. I'm going last. <laughs> yeah, but the class episodes, that's just the way. Yeah, yeah I'm doing a lot of the nature of the beast. And the other two are just going, hmm, mm, yes. yes. No, I agreed. don't like that. <laughs> All right. All right, well, I'm going first, and I was fortunate enough to draw the Battlesmith. Uh, definitely number one of my 
choices for the three. Um, so the Battlesmith is... I think we can say Battlesmith is going to be your tank if you're going to have one. An artificer subclass. Yeah, of the of these three options, this one is the one that's going to soak up damage. Yeah, this guy's got a lot going on for him. <coughs> God damn it, Dan. So uh, we'll just quickly go, as we always do, through the benefits that you get from your subclass. So the first one that you get is tool proficiency. So you've already got enough of these. At third level, by, if you pick the Battlesmith, you get one more tool proficiency. <laughs> so we talked about how this was overpowered. Well, now you're up to one more by picking the Battlesmith. <laughs> So uh, you gain a proficiency with or proficiency with Smith's tools. If you already have this proficiency, guess what? You gain proficiency with one other type of artisan's tools of your choice. Just whatever you want. Love it. Love it. <laughs> uh, you get spells. So each of these uh, subclasses will get their own spells. So we'll touch on those. Uh, but starting at third level, you get them. So for the Battlesmith, you get... This is why I'm saying it's tank. At level three, you get just automatically get heroism and shield. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, yeah. yeah, right there. Very valuable. Very valuable. Fifth level, you're going to get Branding Smite and Warding Bond. There, again, Warding Bond, there's your defense. A little offensive Branding Smite. Yep. So now you can be a smiting. Right? Yeah, Paladin. So, yeah. Pack your stuff up, close your dice box. Yeah, why, why bother making a Paladin? You yep. can just make this. Uh, ninth level, you get Aura Vitality and Conjure Barrage. Sorry, I just love the idea of the Artificer watching the Paladin every time he smites. He goes, okay, all right, hold on, do it again. Interesting. Hold on, I think I can do that. One more time. Cool. I can, I can do, do that, that now. Yeah. yeah. Don't you think it's cool that we both have 30 foot hours? Oh, you don't? Oh, you don't? Oh. oh. oh that's awkward. This is awkward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm actually a better paladin than you now. <laughs> Looks like you need this cod piece of charisma. <laughs> oh. I mean, you are going to be dumping charisma on this character, right? Like For an artificer? I'm dumb. Ah, oh, God. I don't know what I dump. I think I feel like I need all of it. Yeah, I mean, maybe not wisdom. I'm loath yeah. to give up perception, but I would probably dump wisdom. But we discussed earlier, right? Perception probably is one that you're not per- you're not paying attention to the world around. Yeah, you, but right? mechanically speaking, yes. perception is the single best or most important skill. Dan's not here. We don't have to min max. Right, right, right. <laughs> I think okay. I just dump strength and just use finesse weapons or something. Like I'm gonna that. get onto yeah. this too because this gets really interesting. But let's finish the spells. So ninth level, we get aura vitality, conjure barrage. Yeah. Again, just being so, tanky. So, hold on. Conjure yeah. Barrage is Ranger only. Aura Vitality yeah. is Paladin only. So, right. again, we're half-caster all over the place. Yeah. yeah, We're dipping into everybody's school. We're taking from everything. 13th level, you get Aura of Purity and Fire Shield. Again, more defense, more cleansing. And then 17th, this I love. Banishing Smite and Mass Cure Wounds. <laughs> Good lord. Yeah, it's, 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 you're right. I mean, it's, it's Jack of all trades, I mean, master of everything. It's 17th yeah. level, so I mean, by the yeah, time you're getting this, okay. yeah, yeah, but still, you're just getting mass cure wounds and banishing smite. Yeah. Um, also at third level, you get uh, battle ready. So this is wild. You gain proficiency with martial weapons. You mentioned earlier how you only get simple weapons. Not anymore. Yeah. You want any weapon? It's yours. Any martial weapon? Okay, I gotta ask. What is the flavor behind this class, this subclass? Why a battlesmith? Like, I do, do you know what I mean by that? I do. I have a character build in mind. Like, I right, but, but, but what? But what does it actually say in the? Because you the think book? you would lean towards. Yeah. 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 Uh, so armies require protection. As someone who has put things together, if defenses fail, a combination of protector and medic, a battlesmith is an expert at defending others and repairing both material and personnel. So you're the dwarf battlesmith, I guess. Yeah. So so battle and medic. 
Uh, up until you said the word medic, I was thinking of Gendry from uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, actually, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right? And so this kind of makes a little bit more sense to me now. Yeah. But also with the ability to, like, heal, heal. on top of that. Yeah. Sure. Okay. This All right. Is, I'm getting it better now. I, I'm putting this guy kind of up there with when I would normally want to take, like, a war cleric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, I'd rather have this That's than a war cleric. I really enjoy playing my war cleric, and I was thinking, this is this just is a better, a better version of the war cleric. cleric. Yeah. yeah. So uh, battle ready, you get proficiency with all martial weapons, and this is my favorite. Whenever you attack with a magic weapon, which at this point you're going to be imbuing your weapon with some sort of magic, uh, you, instead of using strength, strength or dex, use your intelligence modifier. Okay. It's your highest stat. Now, so you can dump strength. You can dump, I mean, you don't really want to dump dex, but strength, why not dump it? Because you're not going to be using it for even strength-based weapons. Yeah, sure. You're going to put some sort of magical aura on them. Boom, now it's an intelligence oh, weapon. I like, I like this subclass, actually. Uh, this is, yeah. But I feel like I've already played it. I adore yeah. this. Uh, next one you get is Steel Defender. Again at third level. This is all at third level. The ter- first thing you do when you take it. Your Tinkering is born in a faithful companion, a Steel Defender. So we talked about the you just, you just get a metal dog. You get... Everyone says dog. It doesn't say dog. Do and you get a metal dog? It, you can... Yeah, yeah. You but, can determine the creature's but, appearance but, but, whether but, it has two legs or four. But and I it, shall name it Slayer. So in all of the it, content, it's, it's a dog. It's a metal dog! That's phenomenal. And very cool. I mean, I want to do something a little bit different. Or a but... steel panther. Oh! oh. <laughs> <laughs> it smells like pure gasoline. <laughs> I, I've just made a deaf leopard. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this thing's basically your humunculus, but tanky. So uh, for its reaction, and so it's got its own stats again. Uh, AC of 15 instead of 13 like your humunculus. What's the CR on this thing? Does it have one? Uh, I don't think it does. I was looking for it and I didn't no, see one. it doesn't have one. Because no one else can have it, right? So there isn't really a... Yeah, but uh, if, but, if you were to kill someone else's... Yeah, but look at the stat line of it. Plus two strength, plus one dex, plus two con, minus four int, whatever. Whatever. Plus zero wisdom, minus two it. charisma. Well, that's fine. You but, don't need your dog to be charismatic no. or, or... So you're looking at smart. plus four to your skills. So what's that putting you at... CR one? Well, no, only to athletics and perception. Yeah. Forty feet of movement, good. Yeah. Um and those all of those increases and when dark vision. Yeah. And they all increase by one whenever your proficiency bonus increases. So anytime when you gotta step up, all the stats on this thing increase to so keep up with you. I could make a chimpanzee. You sure could. So I could make an ape. I know or you're going somewhere with this. Where are you going? They can hold weapons. Oh, and you if can you send have them into the mine shaft alone. Well, if you give them opposable thumbs and you have like an ape or chimpanzee or baboon, there's no reason that you can't put weapons and armor that you have crafted on them. I'm sorry, I can make rocket raccoon here. Yes. You can make rocket raccoon. Metal Absolutely. rocket raccoon. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so we talked about with the humunculus how basically it always takes a dodge action unless you use your bonus action. Same thing here. So if you choose to have your bonus action to allow them to attack instead, because they act on your initiative after you do, uh, they can take force-empowered rend, which is a plus four to hit, and deals 1d8 plus two force damage. Force damage. Yeah. That's nothing to... If it's got force damage, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, And as a reaction... I'm sorry, that's what the homunculus has as well. It was force damage attack. It was force damage, but it did not do this much. No, it It was not this powerful. Um, And we talked about healing the homunculus, right, with uh, mending. Same thing here. Um, gets two d eight plus two instead of two d six. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's fantastic. Yeah. This. I mean, everything about it is just great. All right. It's and and what, what level do you get? Third this? level. Third. Jesus. So we're still on third level. We haven't gone anywhere yet. 
This might be the closest thing we have to a proper animal companion in 5th edition. I think mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Wow. yeah. A decent, useful one that you're not just constantly trying to hide. Fuck yeah. you, Ranger. We're doing it better than you are. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so now we're at a third level. We'll move to 5th level. Extra attack. You're basically a fighter. You get two attacks now. Goddamn. <laughs> just, why yeah. not? We should run a game one day, even if we do it for the podcast. Where, where we just, all we just do all the new artifices, or just yeah. do all of the new classes. Yeah. Just, it's just going to be insane. That would be fantastic. Uh, level nine, you get Arcane Jolt, which... Uh, I'm in. Yeah. It already sounds great, doesn't it? Uh, whenever you hit a target with a magic weapon attack, which at this point, why would you not be using a magic weapon? I feel like Arcane Jolt should have been for the alchemist, because I'm just picturing Jolt Cola. <laughs> yeah. Arcane Joel oh, also sounds like a good hair metal band. Well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but whenever you attack with a magical weapon, which obviously you are, or if your pet, your steel defender that we just talked about, hits on its attack... Bubbles over here. That's right. <laughs> you channel ma- magical energy through the strike, and you can do one two things. You can either do an extra 2d6 force damage. Again, more force damage. Always good. Or you can heal someone for 2d6 energy within 30 feet of you. Probably so this is... He- that. Again, better than healing word. Yeah. Right? So you get to make your attack to your damage, and just as a bonus, an improved healing word. Yeah, so now we. Anybody within 30 feet. So now the war cleric can go home. Yeah. The ranger (laughs) can go home. The bard, not really needed. Like, why would you make a party of anything other than all artifices? (laughs) Aside from the fact that they wouldn't be able to communicate or deal with each other. You know, the the one thing that they still need a barbarian. They do. Yeah. There's there's no crossover with the barbarian, and I'm pretty sure that the the wizard and the straight up life cleric are looking yeah. at each other, going like, "Let's fuck this guy up." Yeah, <laughs> what a fucking nerd! Like, yeah, this guy's the worst. <laughs> I love the idea of having the barbarian for the one check that the artificer doesn't make, and yeah. the DM goes, "It will like Armageddon style. It will work, but you have to push the button yourself." Yeah, <laughs> the barbarian just hurling the gnome artificer. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute! Can we talk about this? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like this idea. <laughs> And you can use this a number of times equal to your intelligence modifier. And at ninth level, you bet this is at least four times a day. Yeah. Yep. Four or five times a day. Uh, 15th level. This is the last one you get. At 15th level, your arcane jolt and steel defender become more powerful. So the pet that you have... Uh, so our, Well, actually, we'll go with arcane jolt first. You get increased from 2d6 to 4d6. Oh, fuck. So what, what level is this? 14? This is 15th level. 15. Your steel defender gets a plus two to its AC, so you're up to 17 on this thing now. And whenever your steel defender uses a deflect attack, which we kind of touched on with the homunculus, it's very similar. Yeah. So basically as a as a reaction, it can deflect the attack. So the idea is if something within five feet of your defender attacks something that isn't it, disadvantage. It's just another fairly decent party member, though. So yeah. it's another body on the battlefield to do flanking with, yep. to help your rogue out with their I feel like you're spending attack. a lot of downtime putting them back together. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it gets that at level 3. At level 15, now whenever it uses that ability, the basically whoever it stopped from attacking takes 1d4 plus your intelligence modifier See, before its damage. I'm all about the steel defender when you're in mobs. When you're fighting yeah. a shit ton of gnolls, yeah. right? 20 gnolls rush the battlefield, yeah. and you're sitting there going... This is a decent encounter. The action economy is against the party. Yeah. Here you go. Steel Defender is going to matter. Yeah, you put them right in the middle. When of the they go up against a Merolith, yeah. that Merolith with the seven attacks around is just going to fuck this thing up on round one. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so it really depends on... You're going to have to strategize depending on the encounter. Yeah. 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 So I have a question. Yes. Do, would a Steel Defender go into a bag of holding? Mm, I would... Medium Construct. A Construct can go in? 
I don't, uh, I don't know. I think you can actually, the rules is written, you can put a creature in. Actually, on that, yeah. let's just go real back real quick. We didn't touch on it, but you can actually make bags of holding as an artificer, uh, starting at level two. Yeah. Oh, well. I mean... I don't like bags of holding anyway. Yeah. But yeah, level two, you can just say, oh, yeah, I, 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 knew, I want one of those. Yeah. I like what Adam does with the, the holding items, which makes them uh, very small or odd shapes. And, mm. yeah, I have it has to be able to fit through the mouth of the bag. Through the mouth of the bag, yeah. that I makes sense. And this wouldn't fit holding. through the mouth of the bag. So if you're playing by that rule... Breathing creatures inside the bag can survive up to a number of minutes equal to 10, well, divided by the number of creatures. Their construction. Their constructs. Are they even breathing? So they don't breathe. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. That rule um, doesn't apply. Yep. Sweet. So I don't see why you couldn't. I mean... Do you need to? I mean, you can summon this thing whenever you want, basically. Yeah, well, I, I like the idea of you just grabbing your bag of holding going, sick him! Yeah. And this thing comes yeah. out. Like the ape wielding two, like, <laughs> magical axes, one in each hand. Love it. Oh, yeah, wearing, a, wearing a helmet. Not even armor. <laughs> just just, just a crooked <laughs> helmet. <laughs> Get him, Daisy! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that's horrifying. That is absolutely horrifying. Um, love it. Actually, I should touch on it as well. If the, you talked about just killing this thing outright. Um... You can, if you cast Mending on it, again, we discussed the 2d6, but if it's died within the last hour, you can use your Smith's tools in action to provide it, provide you're within five feet of it, expend one spell slot at first level or higher. So you can do this in combat. To just bring it back up. To just bring it back. You just gotta use a first level spell. Oh, well, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, you're pretty limited with your number of spells, so that actually has... It, a, it does. Like it's you, a you little have, more of a hit. Yeah. That's an actual uh, resource drain, but... You may want this, especially yeah. within the last hour within at the, the last end hour. of yeah. combat. You yeah. Can... Yeah. Man, I love it. I'm all over that. So that's the Battlesmith. It's the Battlesmith. That was really good. Sunglass. Very wild. powerful. But you know what? I could do a one shot or something. It'll be hilarious. It'll be yeah. awesome. Go nuts. Okay, so um, I'm going to point out to everybody that uh, Adam chose at random the subclasses for us. I this actually week. rolled based on our alphabetical order. And then the alphabetical order on these. But for mine, the artillerist, if, if ever anything could have lined up so perfectly for me, <laughs> yep. I was like, okay, you know, I'll do my research for the episode, <laughs> I'll get ready. And I read the first line of this subclass, oh, yeah. and I was like, I'm in. This I mean, it's a work of art. It said, Terry, this one's for you. <laughs> like, That's the first line. It said, Terry, this one's for you, semicolon. An artillerist specializes in using magic to hurl energy projectiles and explosions on a battlefield. Yeah. I closed the book. I said, That's it. I'm done. You should yeah. get the paragraph two um, then, because it talks about Dan's first. Furniture for you next. <laughs> <laughs> this was actually on my first pass through. Artillerist was my number one, and then I got to Battlesmith after Artillerist. So I said, "Never mind." Well, this is brilliant because I, I thought for you know for a while we, we don't really have like any heavy weapons specialists. Yeah. In, uh, no. in D&D because you know because it's like a medieval fantasy game. Like yeah, how crazy can you get? But we can do it with this as long as it, it works for the game, the campaign that we're trying to run. So tool proficiency, when you adopt a specialization at third level, you gain proficiency with wood carpet tools. Okay, sure. If you already have this proficiency, you gain proficiency with one other type of artisan's tools of your choice. So I, same as the Battlesmiths. Yeah. But just the, the woodworkers. The alchemist gets one as well. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, they all do. But different. they get specific they get tools. Specific, specific different ones. Yeah, so they, yeah. get, they get their own spells as well. So the artillery spells... Uh, Third level, you get Shield and Thunder Wave. I love Thunder Wave. Thunder Wave. I love Blasting Thunder Wave. I was doing it last night. Uh, fifth, Scorching Ray, Shatter. Ninth, no, you, he, no, he played in our D and D game last night using. Oh, Thunder. I thought yeah, this no, was no, our no, home this thing. Is, this, I thought this is not a, him on the toilet. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought this was a personal. No, no, no. no. I, <laughs> I just looked at Dan. I, or I looked at Adam. I was like, "Hold on, can you clarify? Fill me in on this." Is <laughs> it, <is it> something? <laughs> it's a very. Uh, I don't know if my druid is 
incompetent. He's reckless. Okay. Okay. Very reckless. Yes. Well, this is the evil campaign, right? Yes. yes yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, although, although he cried last night. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> Who says bad boys can't cry? <laughs> Ninth level, you get fireball and wind wall. Thirteenth, ice storm wall of fire. These are like my favorite spells ever anyway. Seventeenth, uh, get cone of cold wall of force. Okay. So lots of area of effect. Yeah. Right? I love These it. are battlefield control yeah, spells. I just and it's just pure artillery, right? Yeah. Just causing absolute chaos, and that's what I love to do with my characters is just constantly keep the bad guy on the back foot, having to deal with the yep. bullshit that I throw at them. Now, remember, I, I pointed out beforehand that um, there were no real spells above cantrip level that mm-hmm. that were offensive. Yes. Now, now there are. Here we go. Yeah, that's <clears> it. <throat> so now we have uh, the artillery spells here. Okay. How about this? Eldritch Cannon. I'm down... Every time I get to a new paragraph of this subclass, I'm mm. all over it. So at third level, you learn how to create a magical cannon using wood carver's tools. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, that one... I was like, really? I was like, all right. No, 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 just no, carving these cans out of wood? No, it's magic. Or smith's tools. Uh, um, uh, Eldritch Cannon is the name of my wood. <laughs> <laughs> you can take... An action to magically create a small or tiny Eldritch Cannon in an whoa, occupied whoa, space. Whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean small or tiny? I take, I take back my Sorry, to, to magically create an average-sized Thank cannon you. in an occupied space. Uh, a small Eldritch Cannon occupies its space, and a tiny one can be held in one hand. Sorry, it's in the book. It's in the book. It's in the book. I can uh, well, tell them Small dick energy. Fuck. Once you create a cannon, you can't do it again until you finish a long rest <laughs> <laughs> it gets better oh, oh man I love oh. it they knew right when they wrote this they knew yeah they, right this, 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 this was, was intentional this was why it was written for Terry yeah <laughs> I know you can only have one cannon at a time and can't get another one while your cannon is present <laughs> I'm sorry, this has never happened to me before. (laughs) Well, let's bring this guy in. (laughs) Sorry, only one cannon at a time. We gotta tag out. Okay. The cannon is a magical object regardless of size. The cannon has a name. Sorry, there's a period. There's a period. The The cannon is a magical object. Period. Regardless of size, the cannon has an AC of 18 and a number of hit points equal to five times your, your artificial level. I'm sorry. I'm it's, sorry, I haven't been listening. It's in, in the UK, we pronounce this word artificer, and I'm yep. trying very, very, very hard to say artificer. Artificer? <laughs> artificer. Uh, so if I say artificer at any point, <laughs> yeah, I apologize. No, that's fine. Uh, it is immune to poison damage, psychic damage in all conditions. If it is forced to make an ability check or a saving throw, treat all ability scores as 10, so a plus 0 modifier. If the mending spell is cast on it, it regains 2d6 hit points. It disappears if it, if it is reduced to 0 hit points or after 1 hour. You can dismiss it early as an action. When you create the cannon, I want to go through this in detail because it's important for later. When you create the cannon, you determine its appearance and whether it has legs. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say no, thank you. I love the idea of just having two, two human legs and just running around. Oh, around. see, I just pictured as like two rounded cannonballs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You also decide which type it is, choosing from the options on the Eldritch Cannons table. Locks uh, it on. Yeah. On your turn, Locks. Oh, you can God. turn it. Take a bonus action uh, to cause the cannon to activate if you're within sixty feet of it. I'm trying to get through it. As part of the same bonus action, you can direct. The cannon to walk or climb up to 15 feet to an unoccupied space, provided it has legs. Okay. So you can choose whether it has legs, but don't choose that it doesn't have legs because it needs to have legs. Yeah, because what's the point? Um, 
I imagine unless you want to mount it on something, but even I so. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I have. Okay. Take a breather. Here are the Eldritch Cannons that we have. We have the choice of Flamethrower, Force Ballista, or Protector. Flamethrower uh, exhales fire in an, an adjacent 15-foot cone that you designate. Each creature in that area must make a deck saving throw against your spell save DC, taking 2d8 on a failed save or half as much on a successful one, the fire ignites any flammable objects in the area that aren't being worn or carried because your players will cry that you set their stuff on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hold on, though. Hold on. I love the idea of, of blowing up the... Like, everyone goes down for, like, a long rest. They get roused from their tents to go out and fight whatever, like, ambush them in the middle of the night. Yeah. And you burn their fucking tents yeah. and all that. <laughs> oh, I love great. the idea of um, you, you come to the, the village, which is being occupied by the enemy, and they won't let you in. So you so just, just burn, it down. burn it down from outside <laughs> and go in. But that's what, like... Uh, I mean, 15-foot cone is not a long range, but... Yeah, and this is kind of leaning more in towards modern-day artillery, which is what it's used for. You essentially yeah. bomb the shit out of the place and then, then send the infantry in. in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Force Ballista, you make a range spell attack. Um, originating from the cannon at one creature or object within 120 feet of it so this is not area of effect now it's a single target yeah. on a hit the target takes 2d8 force damage and if the target is a creature of any size it is pushed up to 5 away, five feet away from the cannon cool or you have the yeah I love that so now you have the precision sniper rifle if you want uh, protector the cannon emits a burst of positive energy that grants itself and each creature of your choice within 10 feet of it a number of temporary hit points equal to 1d8 plus your intelligence modifier so a minimum so we talked about the battlesmith being the tanky one yeah at least have some tank utility with this uh, this feels like a glass cannon to me because it you said any so. creature I love the idea of the artillerist running up to the freaking Tarask pushing the thing they go Boom! And it knocks a Tarrasque back five feet. Yep. yep. And then the Tarrasque just eats it. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, that. your character's dead. But yeah. I love that idea of just... Or, or even, you know, if you have a, if, you, if you have your Barbarian, your War Cleric, your Paladin, whatever, your Fighter, and everybody's surrounding this large or huge creature, and you just send it back five feet, well, now everybody gets their attacks of opportunity. Yeah. Well. So now you have another three or four attacks on this creature. And by the way, you can do this every round, you know? So this is going to yeah. be super useful for knocking shit through portals and off cliffs, too. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Perfect. Here's what kind of sucks, though. You can create one a day with only 2d6 health points. Yeah. Yeah, but you can mend it. You can mend it, but what happened? You can't repair it once it's broken, right? Um, it disappears if, if it's it, reduced yeah, to points reduced to zero or, points, yeah right. so if yeah. it goes to zero which it only has but you know, you know what if, if you're playing an artillery type character you're trying to stay away yeah, you know yeah. you you can get right to the back not now. the flamethrower 15 foot range on a flamethrower that's true yeah that's true yeah but I mean it's 50 foot range 15 foot range so you're running in 15 feet hitting them with it and then running back 15 feet yeah yeah, yeah. It's all just going to be about strategy. Uh, fifth level, arcane firearm. Uh, you know how to turn a wand, staff, or rod into an arcane firearm. I've been waiting well, here for this, we go man. again. Yeah. I've got this like Wild West uh, character named Remington, of course. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, it has yeah. to be the, like, wand that's kind of shaped like a revolver yeah. that this is made for right here. God, I'm glad you said revolver. <laughs> um... When you finish a long rest, you can use your woodcarver's tools to carve uh, special sigils into a wand, staff, or rod, and thereby turn it into your arcane firearm. Um, the sigils disappear from the object, object if you later carve them onto a different item. The sigils otherwise last indefinitely. Um, you can use your arcane firearm as a spellcasting focus for your ar- artificer spells. When you cast an artificer spell through the firearm, roll a d8 and you gain a bonus to one of the spell's damage rolls equal to the number rolled. 
That's cool. Pretty good, right? Yeah, extra damage with it. I mean, I'm not crazy about firearms, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, but, Eberron is all about that kind of is. tech and, and and the artifice. This is built for it. If you're it, going to be a gunslinger, it's an arcane firearm it. too, yeah. right? You're not actually. It's not gunpowder. No, I, I understand that. Yeah, but I, if you I'm DM, resistant like, to the idea of it in the first yeah. place. Gunpowder is a lot to manage. So if you don't want that in your campaign, but you're you're like I'm saying, no, oh, I would like to play like a gunslinger type character. Yeah, you have this, this option now. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. This okay. would be rad as a warforged. Oh, yeah. Shit. Guess yeah. You could essentially become. Jazz for the Transformers here. Yes, you could. Yeah. Wow, my brain did not go there. Yes, you could. All right. Anyway, sorry, I derailed you. Um, Well, speaking of jazz, explosive cannon. Starting at ninth level, (laughs) every Eldritch cannon you create is more destructive. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Uh, The cannon's damage rolls all increase by one d8. As an action, you can command the cannon to detonate if you are within sixty feet of it. Doing so destroys the cannon and forces each creature regardless of size, within 20 feet of it to make a deck saving throw against your spell save DC, taking 3d8 force damage on a save on a failed save or half as much on a successful one. So, so once a when day. the mob comes in, if it's going south, mm-hmm. run away, and as they're running after you, blow Just that cannon up. Send it in. Yeah, send it in. Yeah, that's Just right. put it in the doorway as the rest of the party runs by. Yeah, yeah. Fortified position. Start Don't, sorry, to blow up the bad guys, not the party running by. Of course. I, I, well, I mean... I had to be clear for Terry. We, we did clarify that, you know, the artificer is the wild card. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't need the rest of the party. It wasn't even... Uh, wild card, baby. It wasn't even me hurting the party last night. It was RU0K, who was doing... Uh, who was the Warforce guy. He was causing all the damage to everyone, as I remember, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for evil, tw- which, evil campaign. Yes, but he is he's a medic. He's a Warforged medic. Okay. Uh, he's a paladin, and he does lay on hands for a fee. Right, for, of course. Haggles yeah. terribly. <laughs> but uh, it's R-U hyphen zero K. K. Yeah, so, yeah. So yeah, are you yeah, okay? Yeah. Yeah, you got that. He also has a, a pet and whose name is Annie. So it's Annie, are you okay? There we go. That's what I deal with in my evil campaign. So I love it. I'm it's, glad someone does. It hurts me. Uh, I, it hurts me, but I, I, I do like that. That is my kind of character creation right there. Well, I come Fuck. from a campaign that was so, like, Adam's campaign that I played is so serious and in-depth, and we get yep. so wrapped up with these characters, and they like, show up to this group, and they're like, I don't know, fucking kill everything, man. Smoke these weird herbs and whatever. <laughs> I, I helped Dan come and up then with... let's play d I helped, <laughs> I helped Dan come up with a character for my campaign that I mostly regret, but it's a goblin bard whose name is Rojam Mott, and he's got a star or a lightning bolt across his face and makeup. Yeah. Rojam Mott backwards, Major Tom. Oh, my God. Ah, and, and he's a glamour bard? And he's a glamour bard. Yeah, of course he is. I helped Dan come up with this character, so I only have myself to blame. Anyways, yes. back on topic. Okay. Fortified position. Starting at 15th level, you're a master at forming well-defended and um, emplacements using Eldritch Cannon. You're really relying on your Eldritch Cannon here. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, you and your allies have half cover while within 10 feet of a cannon you create with Eldritch Cannon as a result of shimmering field of magical protection that the cannon emits. That's pretty yeah. useful. Yeah, that's very pretty much useful. So. Okay. Um, you can now have two cannons at the same time. Nice. <laughs> you can create this is, some anime, sex tape. This, is, this is some anime level shit right here. You can create two with the same <laughs> action but not the same spell slot. So you can just create two at once. Yeah. Um, and you can activate both of them uh, with the same bonus action, you determine whether the cannons are identical to each other or different. One might be bigger than the other one, for example. Well, the other one's just cold, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe they don't know about shrinkage.
leakage if you're using the cannon. <laughs> I was in the pool! In water. <laughs> so, exactly. so, hold on. Hold on. Using the same action, but not the same spell slot. That's so correct. You're, yeah. you're essentially blowing twice the spell slot. Two spell slots, yeah. one action. Two yeah. slots, one action. You can't create a third cannon while you have two. <laughs> Oh. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that is it for the uh, artillerist. I mean, um, I freaking love it. You know yeah. what I'm going to do. I'm just going to be blowing the shit up everything, causing absolute chaos. But yeah. but you also have all of the other like artificers regular shit, artificer stuff right, as well. So. Yeah. so before we jump, speaking of regular artificer stuff, before we jump into yours, yeah. I know you look at these two, the artillerist and the battlesmith. They basically, why would you run with the humunculus servant at this point? You kind of have a replacement for both of them between the... Because I want to be a general. Yeah. I want an army. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess, but... I mean, the homunculus servant is just a worse version of your steel defender. A homunculus servant is so that I don't have to take the ritual caster feet and get uh, familiar. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you really want a familiar... Because that's basically, the Humongous Servant is just a better familiar. Even yeah. in the Eberron book here, the Abdi Artillerist is quite clearly yeah. supposed to be a gunslinger. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's just a cowboy here, so yeah. Oh, all right. So now finally uh, we are on to my personal favorite because I have been complaining about this subclass in every previous edition of D&D, and I'm finally happy with it. The Alchemist is a kind of artificer, mm-hmm. finally. So um, you are good at uh, combining reagents to produce mystical effects. You can give life or leech it away. It's the oldest of the artificer traditions, and its versatility has long been valued during times of war and peace. There are a whole bunch of really cool sh- uh, things that you can do, but it's pretty standard at the beginning. You yep. a get a new tool proficiency. This one is alchemist tool, it, yeah. right? Um, you also get spells. I'll go through them really quickly. Healing Word. This is third level. Healing Word and Ray of Sickness. Fifth level is Flaming Sphere and Melf's Acid Arrow. Ninth level is Gaseous Form, which is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mass Healing Word. Thirteenth uh, level is Blight and Death Ward. Blight. I love Blight. Yeah, I love Blight too. And it feels like it's coming late at thirteenth level, but you're yeah. a half caster, so it's coming late anyway. Uh, and at 17th, you get Cloud Kill and Raise Dead. Cloud Kill is brutal. Yeah, and I know that you're waiting till like, middle of Tier 4 for that, but, man, you're going to love it when you get it. So here's what you get. Instead of a Steel Defender or a freaking Cannon on Legs, <laughs> you get an Experimental Elixir. Beginning at 3rd level... You all right? <laughs> Already just imagine the campaign. Yeah. <laughs> Here's an experimental elixir. Drink this. All right, all right, good luck. One of us is. Um, I see <laughs> I see the alchemists drinking it themselves. Sometimes. A lot of it. Well, wait for it. Begin- right, I'm aware, yeah. yeah beginning yeah, yeah, at third level, when you finish a long rest, you can magically produce one of these in an empty flask that you touch. Then you roll on the table for the effect. Creating one requires you to have uh, alchemist supplies on your person. It's funny, you don't actually have to use them. You no, you just have to have person. them. Yeah. Um, and any elixir you create with this feature lasts until it is drunk or until the end of your next long rest. So you really get one of these. You've got a 24-hour shelf life on these things. Yep. However, when you reach certain levels of this class, you can make more elixirs at the end of a long rest, two at 6th and three at 15th. Um, and you roll for each elixir's effect separately. Each elixir requires its own flask, obviously, and you can uh, create additional experimental elixirs by expending a spell slot of first level or higher for each one. When you do so, you use your action to create the elixir 
uh, in an empty flask. So you can just make more and more and more of these. So, But you get to choose when you use the spell level, which is key. Yeah. As an action, a creature can drink the elixir or administer it to an incapacitated creature. So you can't force it down somebody's throat. Uh, you can if they're incapacitated. Inca- but a conscious, you can't just run yeah. up to somebody and go whack. Mm. Um, but you roll in the experimental <clears throat> elixir table, uh, which is triggered when someone drinks the elixir. So you roll on it ahead of time and you know what it is, mm-hmm. but it doesn't go off until somebody quaffs the drink. Okay. So you get uh, you roll a d6. You can either heal them for 2d4 plus your intelligence modifier, or uh, you can increase someone's walking speed by 10 feet for an hour, or they get uh, plus one bonus to AC for 10 minutes, which can be pretty useful. That's a couple of encounters chained in a row. Yeah. Um, the drinker can roll a d4 and add the number rolled to every attack roll and saving throw they make. So, I mean, it's essentially bless. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a flying speed of 10 feet for 10 minutes. Or you get uh, 10 minutes of the Alter Self spell. And the drinker gets to choose what they turn into. I like this. I like the thought of creating a Jekyll and Hyde character. Yeah, this. that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, just the... Yeah, I, I really like the idea of having just... Like, you roll for it, and then you have these three potions. You put them in your... In, like, inside your jacket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you just wait for the opportunity to pull it. Oh, I have a potion for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> you already know what it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, would you have each of them have a distinct color or look? Or are they completely unidentifiable by anybody other than you? I would have them be clear mm-hmm. and bubbling. And, and there's like a stopper in the top of the flask. Right? But, I mean, maybe the maybe it, it's, um, it's clear. Yeah. So that you can see that it is just filled with smoke above mm-hmm. the liquid as well. Like, it's got to be weird and crazy magic. I mean, these are all beneficial, right? Yeah. Which I like and don't like at the same time. No, I myself, I actually add different colors to different potions depending on what it is. So yeah. I probably would. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I can see you just say, hey, drink this. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, would you homebrew maybe more options? For that, and just say, hey, you know, how many is there? So there's eight? only six. There's six. <clears throat> make it a D8. Maybe add a couple that could go wrong. Uh, one that could go right. Make you it a get twenty. You, you get more shit in a minute, though. You, okay. Yeah, All right. Do. So, um, <laughs> at fifth level, you become an alchemical savant, which means um, you are a master of magical chemicals. You can enhance healing uh, or damage you create to them. Whenever you cast a spell using your alchemist supplies as the focus, you gain a bonus to one roll of the spell. The roll must restore hit points or be a damage roll that deals acid, fire, necrotic, or poison. And the bonus is equal to your intelligence modifier. Hmm. So, you would just say, hey, you know what? I have this really potent spell. <coughs> like uh, My healing word will be a plus four on top of it because of my intelligence modifier. Right. Or um, my blight is going to do plus four damage, right? Yeah. So, um, specifically... Acid, fire, necrotic, or poison damage. That really tracks with the idea yeah, I mean, of the alchemist, yeah, right? Yeah, it's Nothing, in line. Not yet. Yeah, Nothing's I would be. Mind. I'd be surprised if it was thunder damage, <laughs> or, right? Like, Did it say fire? Sorry, I didn't. Yeah, didn't yeah. Okay. Acid, fire, necrotic, or poison. Yeah, yeah. That all, tracks. all lines up. Um, or healing, right? So all yeah. of that, like your your potions master, right? Yeah. Um, at ninth level, you get restorative reagents, uh, where you can incorporate. Um, some of these reagents into your works. Whenever a creature drinks an experimental elixir that you've created, the creature gains temporary hit points equal to 2d6 plus your intelligence modifier. So just as a bonus on top of what you're On top getting. of the other stuff, you also get 2d6 plus 
probably four or five. Right. Um, temporary hit points. Um, you can cast Lesser Restoration without expending a spell slot. I picture this as a syringe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you also don't have to prepare the spell, provided that you use the Alchemist Supplies as a spellcasting focus. Uh, so, like, it's not even a syringe. It, it could just be yeah, another, a like, potion. here, drink this, trust yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, you can do so a number of times equal to your intelligence modifier, so four. And you you regain all of them when you finish a long rest. At 15th level, you become a, you get chemical mastery, so you become a master. Uh, you've been exposed to so many chemicals that they pose little risk to you, and you can use them to quickly end certain I, ailments. I love this. This just tracks. This yeah, is yeah. so flavorful. You just gain resistance to acid and poison damage, and you're immune to the poisoned condition. Perfect. You, you can also cast Greater Restoration and Heal without expending a spell slot, without preparing the spell, and without material components, provided you use Alchemist Supplies as the spellcasting focus. Greater Restoration an unlimited amount of times per day? Or I would it, even... No. Uh, uh, once. Once. That... That uh, that text there, I would almost play it like uh, Archer, where he he doesn't want to stop drinking. Because yeah, because the hangover. The hangover will kill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that. Just, Absolutely. You, you have to keep something in has your to veins. Be intoxicated at all times. Yeah, we've uh, talked about uh, Tyler on the podcast. He did the music for uh, the Cthulhu stuff. Yeah. So we're gonna dip a little in Pathfinder. But he basically played this character, just the mad elixir master. The guy was just crazed, always I've had seen, something in his mind. I've seen this character played, oh, yeah. the same character played over and over and over again. It's a pretty standard trope. It is. Of that guy that just blows himself up, cackles hysterically, and starts brewing potions again. Yeah. Um, that's what That's what this is. That, would I, you asked earlier, would I homebrew mm. more options? No. Yeah. I, I, I would not on top of the rest of this overpowered class already. Yeah. You keep mm. in mind that you don't, you can make these... Plus, you're making you you get all the restoration spells inherently. You get um, the ability to to heal or do extra damage, and you've got uh, all of these additional spells. You get ten additional spells. Most of them, at at every level, you get the ability to do some sort of damage. Right? Yeah. There's a lot that's going on here. Um, I have a quick question before we move on, though. Because you can turn into gaseous form, what happens if someone breathes you? <laughs> Um, I guess you can. They have to exhale could, at some you could, point. Yeah, and you could, if you're gas, you could just leave them yourself. Yeah. Right, but could I just turn back into my regular form while I'm in someone's lungs? Adam, this is what you do, right? <laughs> I feel like this would cause you as much harm as them. You did this to me with create water. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because they probably didn't breathe in all of you, so you would probably reform in pieces. Oh yeah, you re you reform with your foot in their lung and your knee sticking out of his mouth. Well, that's the same as uh, well, vampires can choose to do that. They yeah. can turn it to mist. Why can't yeah. they just go inside of you and, and reform? Yeah, I think they absolutely should. I think that that is fantastic. I think it would end badly for them as well. Uh, yes, but I also think that they're vampires and don't give a shit, and they can mm. regain hit points when they drain your body. Afterwards. And when they turn to zero hit points, they just turn to mist. Just, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? <laughs> um, so there we go. That's, uh, that is the final uh, Artificer's subclass. That's all of them, so we only have three. Now, I mean, it goes without saying that they're we, a hell of a three. Yeah, I like them all. <laughs> yeah, so I do. yeah, we obviously didn't touch on the Unearthed Arcana version of it or the Wayfarers version of it. Those are both basically done now, right? Yeah. Now that we have the official um, Rising from the Last War book, this is it. This is what we have now. 
So um, I want to talk about creative builds, but before we do that, let's move to our shout-out section really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted to say, I'm going to keep this real, real short and, and sweet here. Thank you to everyone who has supported us. We're into year two. We're still in kind of the infant stages of year two, and year one has been so fantastic. We are so grateful to everyone that supported us either through shout-outs or... Or links, or or even just just passing the word to your friends, especially to those of you who donated through the website, um, and who have uh, listened to all of our shows. Every time that you download, it helps us immensely. So thanks to everybody. Uh, and if you have someone that you want to shout out, contact us at info at itsamimic.com. And if you want to donate, go to www.itsamimic.com. We're not expecting you to donate. I'm pretty sure it's just Dan. <laughs> Over we're pretty sure the wheel just, moving. Yeah. yeah, we're pretty sure that's just a tax thing. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're laundering. It's all going to offshore accounts. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're accessories now. I don't know how it's going to work. So, uh, anyway, that's, uh, if, if you want us to give an on air shout out to someone that you know listens or that should listen and will, if they tune in to hear their own name, <laughs> then send us an email and we will definitely do that. Uh, but let's get onto some creative builds now. So. Yeah, you guys, Terry looks excited. I'm Grab your dice, I'm gentlemen. Excited. I'm ready to go. As All long right, as you guys this. are equally as excited about my build and don't just, like, say uh, shit. Yeah. I mean, it probably is. Natural Ooh. 20. Man, I've a been doing good tonight. 17 for me. I got a 10. Nice. That means I get to go first, hey? So, we're gonna, I'm going to stick with the subclass uh, yeah. that I did. So, yeah. the, 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 art, the artillerist. I like this idea. And this isn't really for one single character. It, it could be. It could be that. But I'm thinking on a grander scale. Um... I was leaning into dwarves, and I like the idea of the dwarves disappearing into their mountains, um, almost because they want to st- start to like decode magic and kind of reverse engineer it to make their armies and their weapons, because they're very prideful, very ambitious people, mm-hmm. to make them stronger. And then they kind of reappear, or they send this player character out to do that. And I like the idea of it could even be used in a campaign of, of kind of what happened in World War One, which is where this superpower existed so then another superpower existed and then they couldn't help but fight each other because there's two superpowers and they have to fight each other yeah so i like this idea of then suddenly the dwarves through their own ambition uh becoming a threat to everybody else and kind of doing Mm. it in that way um in almost like a forbidden way uh and and i really like the idea which breaking the rules which is really cool because dwarves are traditionally Divine magic. And right. this is very much arcane magic. It is. Right. So you're kind of breaking the mold, which is neat. So maybe it's a dwarf clan? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah not not sure. necessarily dwarves as a whole, as a race, but a dwarf clan. Because, you know, th- there is traditional things, but there's always new leaders, new ideas, and whatever. And I just like this as a, an idea that could be used as a campaign arc, almost, to, to, to really bring uh, artifices to life with it within the world. Um, is that you're kind of viewing it from more of an engineering point of view now, which is what dwarves are. Mm-hmm. Engineers, so... Yeah. yeah, that feels very, and that feels right at home, in, especially in Eberron campaign. I also like the idea of you walking up to like the cliff face to go, I know there's a dwarven door here somewhere to get to the, hold on, if I just, and like as you reach out to touch the cliff face, five or six little openings appear and cannons Cans. stick out. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Right? This is no longer like the one guard at the crossbow, who goes there? Yeah. Yeah. This is like, State your business, yeah. right? And like, I think that's uh, that's a lot of fun. I like yeah, that. Yeah, very cool. I'm second. Uh, so again, we're sticking to our uh, subclasses. So I'm going to go with Battlesmith. Again, 
I'm with you. Artificers give me a total dwarf vibe. I know you were talking about gnomes being tinkerers and things like that. Yeah. These weren't so much, especially the battlesmith, was not a tinkerer. It is an armorer, a fighter. This is right. This is somebody who's going into the fray. Um, so I'm very much picturing a dwarf. This dwarf has a Bostonian accent. Because he's wicked smart. He's a dwarf. He's a dwarf. He's wicked smart. My boy's wicked smart. A a, a smartificer, if you will. (laughs) That's the only reason you chose the accent. It's 100% the reason I chose it. But I picture him, basically he is the defender of his clan. But he is looking to go and find a weapon of the gods that has been crafted by the dwarven gods. And his whole goal is every to time you make a character, they're looking for a crafted weapon by you the Dwarven God. Bet they are. You this is as you bad as, as Dan. As Dan with his gnomes, oh, I'm well aware. Gnomes, Terry with his perverts. Everyone <laughs> <laughs> Everybody <laughs> has a type. Everybody's got a type. Well I had that one character, my cleric, that was so not a pervert, it almost kind of see almost seemed like but he was like so not a pervert. So what is like, your? Nobody just like, dude. What is your deal? You, you got have, some sort of real kinky kink that we you, don't. You asexual? You freak? What's the matter with you? <laughs> yeah, it's true. I do have a thing for. That's just why the artificer came right up my out. Oh. Nope, no, 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 phrasing. <laughs> came right it was, away, it huh? was weird that you locked eyes with Terry when you yeah, said that. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know. But yeah, so very much this dwarven defender. Um, and I still like the smartificer, the wicked smart. I like that too. I like that too. I would, <laughs> I would enjoy you doing that accent, and then Dan trying to do that accent <laughs> next year. You're wicked smart. <laughs> Fuck. Hold on, I can do this. Yeah. You're wicked smart. <laughs> Fuck. Hold I, on, I came I up do. with this idea while watching the commercial for the Super Bowl from Hyundai. I don't know if you saw that one no, where they were all no, doing no. the Bostonian. They, oh they yeah, clicked yeah, in yeah. my brain. Yeah, I did. That's that. that's what put this in my mind. Yeah. Um. All right. So I I got the alchemist. And one of the things that I wanted to do, which was a little bit different, is I want to look at the Ravnica races for mm-hmm. a second. Because yeah. we, we have, we've never really talked about them here. No, yeah. But one of the ones that, that exist is called the Simic Hybrid, yep. where they are replacing bits and pieces of mm-hmm. themselves with parts of other creatures. And I feel like your alchemist can go very much hand in hand, especially with the yeah. restoration and whatnot. The idea of replacing parts and trying to find the perfect brew for enlightenment. Whatever they're brewing, whatever potion or acid or poison that they're concocting, they just get weirder over time too. Like yeah. they, they suddenly one day after level six, they show up and they've got a, a lizard folk eyeball in their yeah their right socket, right? Yeah. So they just get stranger. And weirder, and I love the idea of eventually they become immune to acid and or resistant to acid and poison, and immune to being poisoned just because they've been inhaling this shit for so long that they're they they're kind of weird and they bubble when they speak, and that might be the gills they gave themselves, yeah, but it might also not be right. So just be their lungs burbling inside them. Yeah, I like the idea of creeping madness into these types of characters. Yes, absolutely. And so the idea of of the worst items, right? The happy go lucky. I'm gonna blow shit up. I think that's been played out. I want to go the darker route on this of of it being really sinister, and I think that you start off chaotic good. Yep. And slowly descent. Yeah. In, descent into and that'll be the mercury poisoning that's doing <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mad Hatter. Yeah. Actually, it's funny. The first thing I saw when I was looking at the Alchemists was the same thing. The Cynic Hybrid jumped to mind pretty yeah. much instantly. I, I love the idea of also of them having like 
like a, a crab cloth mm-hmm. if, if for one hand. Mm-hmm. And so, like, he still he struggles to use the tools, but he can still do it and whatnot. Yeah. And when he's talking, he, the, the claw is, like, clicking. Oh, yeah. As he talks. And then he's holding a potion. And he clicks it, and then it shatters. Oh, it shatters. And he goes, ah, shit. <laughs> I, not again. Yeah. Right? And, like, this, he's a little bit creepy. And I think he starts off, I would start him off as a Goliath. Hmm. And have him like descend piece by piece. Piece by piece yeah, See, I, I was picturing more of a noble, like a Waterdavian noble, right? That's just someone in this he, upper class that was just—they're just science. They were just experimenting, and they slowly deteriorated into this. I, I, I just like the idea of there being the exact opposite version of of what it's going to end up being, yes. and you can see the real Smeagol to Golem. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. descent into madness and yeah. creepiness to the point where at the end they—they're only. They're eating lichen by licking rocks, and yeah. that's how they sustain themselves. Yeah, and I'd, shit. I'd like to see somebody do an interesting build the other way with an alchemist, where they're redeeming themselves. Because I feel like the alchemist leans itself so much to the mad scientist who's just getting like deteriorating. I'd yeah. like to see almost the other way around. I don't know if I could do it, but I'd like to see somebody else try and pull it off. The the only reason that I wouldn't do that is just because it's not interesting to me as a DM. Mm. If someone comes to my table and says, hey, I've got an alchemist that wants to redeem uh, his worth by going back with the potion that can do whatever, blank. Yeah. Okay, well, now we know that that's going to happen by the end of the campaign. Right. I don't need to do that. We'll tell the story. I'll line up the five or six beats yeah. to get to it. But I don't have I don't have brain power into this anymore. Mm-hmm. It takes me twenty five minutes to write out the overall outline of it, and then I'm done. Yeah. yeah, and we can move on to other plot lines. Like that's not a crazy character that I as a DM am reacting to right. by tier four. I'm still just dropping breadcrumbs. Yeah, and here we go. Can I mean, we do something like almost like a Jekyll and Hyde type thing, yeah. which is where. The, the the for whatever reason from experiment with elixirs whatever for whatever reason the, the the race will change can this gnome um artificer if it takes enough damage become a goliath well uh, i don't see any reason why become a goliath maybe not but you know for, saying, like, but for all intents and purposes there's no reason they can't get a belt of hill giant strength and a and a jacket of enlarge and and they become a like seven foot tall medium sized creature mm-hmm. that's whopping a like nineteen in strength. Yeah. yeah. Anytime they hit somebody, I mean, you can burn a spell slot to alter self for ten minutes as many times as you want in yep. a day. So I mean, you could technically do that. Would you maybe allow alter self to go a little bit further beyond that and maybe change your stat block? Well, you know, no. Change the stat block, no. But you don't need to when you can attune and you have this infusion. Yeah. You get all of those magic items. Sure. You get access to that with that one infusion. I feel like that's the one. I said, you know, I like the homunculus, but but this one with yeah. all of the magic I'm items. I'm thinking even like Bruce Banner and Hulk, right? Where it's bursting out. Yeah, like, but, but in this version of it for an artificer, the purple pants... Let him Hulk out, right? Yeah. Right. So it is the so, it's the Thor's hammer, but it's under control, it's, right? How do you make that yeah. uncontrollable? Because that, that's kind of the appeal of Jekyll and Hyde. That's the appeal of the Hulk, right? Is he can't control when it happens. Well, I mean, you just have a, a cursed item that he sure. can attune to, okay, yeah. right? Which will boost his physical stats and drop his mental ones. Yeah, sure. So, right. So, uh, you know, move his shift his alignment, yeah. right? So something like that. So depending on, and again, you have six uh, attunement slots. Yes, you do. So you can do one for every single ability. Yeah. Which Love it. Scale as you go. Yeah, you yeah. could. So there are a lot of options here for an artificer. 
Um, and they're one of the superior classes. How often, Terry, have we sat down and been like, so druids, I just fucking hate druids. Or rangers, yeah. god, I just hate I'm rangers. I'm actually thoroughly enjoying my druids. <laughs> <laughs> but I think only in that campaign setting, though. And I think it, it, if I had played that druid character in the in the other campaign I played with you, I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much. Just yeah. it's a ridiculous campaign that it seems to work. But artificers overall... Do, do you like them? We've had trouble liking classes. I forget which classes that we like. Um, uh, well, the, uh, yeah, no, you came off liking fighter. I was wishwashy on it. I think that we liked wizard and bard and rogue. I'm cleric and paladin. I always like yeah, the cleric, I, but this is enough to pull me I, away from. I, I play like cleric. Yeah, yeah, I do yeah like we cleric. did. Rogue is like you like. It depends it, on the fun. subclass. Rogue is like you like it, but you shouldn't like it mm. in a way. But yeah. You're just really excited that My Chemical Romance is getting back together and that's all you could talk about when you're a rogue? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Oh. I actually fucking hate My Chemical Romance. I'm really annoyed. That's, but whatever. You're just making friends on the podcast. But now all of My Chemical Romance fans are old now, so it's like, what are we doing here? Um, all right, so any final thoughts on Artificer? Yes, I love the Artificer. Yeah. Um, I should never be allowed to play one. Yeah, you I would. will abuse the shit out of the, yeah. you. This really lets would. me min max because if I think I shouldn't be allowed to play one, then you definitely should be allowed yeah, to play and, one. And are, are we taking bets now? I want to hear. Uh, we're gonna roll. We're All right, against roll. We're gonna take bets on how long it is before Dan builds an artificer. I got an eleven. I got a twelve. So you get to go first. I'm gonna say definitely in a full campaign, not just a one shot. He'll do it within two years. Um, I think that we should throw the question out like. We'll say, hey, we were talking about maybe trying to put together a loose kind of Eberron campaign, but we just want to see what everyone's feeling out. Like, what would you want to play? Oh, that's if you're going to do that. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, he, I think he's already got one made ready to go. He's just waiting for somebody to give him the opportunity. Probably, it's probably in this room, the character it's probably. somewhere. All right. Well, that's it for this week's episode on Artificers. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, as well as other uh, podcast apps, dozens of them. Many of them. Podcast Addict, I think, is one of the big ones that we're on right now. I can name at least two. Can you? Oh. What are they? Go. iTunes and Spotify. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Um, you can also find us at www.itsamimic.com or email us at info at itsamimic.com. Thanks very much for listening to the It's a Mimic podcast. And make sure to check out next week when we're covering... Well, it's supposed to be Barbarians, but we just released that because we... Had to release out of order because of all the illness and sure. horror <laughs> shit. So uh, next week is actually going to be um, uh, monstrosities. These are uh, titans above mm. level twenty monstrosities. Monstrosities. I, I saw the I scary stuff. Uh, I saw there's another dragon episode coming soon. There is another Excited. dragon episode. Yes. Uh, my, the ones where you pick them up, carry them into the air, drop them. They're my favorite. I think I only did that <laughs> twice. I have many tactics that I use in my dragons, and I'll defend this till the day I die. So, so stay tuned also for three weeks from now when you can hear Terry pick up a character, a, fly up sixty feet, and hey, drop them. Come, I come, come up with a new. Tactic. I separated them from all different areas. My tactics. Go back and listen to the dragon episode. <laughs> listen specifically to my tactics, which are phenomenal. You guys didn't hear what my voice just broke there. Yeah. Oh, oh I heard Everybody it. Everybody else. Oh, we yeah. all heard it. <laughs> all right. Can we edit that out? No. No. <laughs> Do you guys have a favorite magic item from the books?
I do have a favorite magic item from the Okay, I, I, want, I want to know. Now, are we talking, like, as magic as it can get? Can, do I have a limit on how magical no, no, it can no, get? No, no, no. Just, just, what's, yeah, what's your favorite one that's... that's oh, yeah, I got uh, one. Wizards of the Coast, you know, sure. published one. All right, Plus yeah. one roll. sword. No? no. Okay. Plus one ammo. That's a uh, fumble for me. Me too. We're rolling off. Oh, roll. <laughs> double fumble. Have we ever had double fumble before? I don't no. think so. And a three and a two. And a oh, okay. Well, you're off. That's you guys are not very good at this. You're... Uh, you're lucky that I'm back. I'm back, by the way. <laughs> I don't think anybody the, noticed you were gone. The new gone. listeners are like, we don't know who this new... Who's the new guy? <laughs> Some people are saying no. Um, my favorite magic item, and it's never really come into any of the games that I've played, but similar items have, is actually the bag of beans. Adam, are you familiar with this? No. It's a... Yes. Uh, you are... Oh, no, I'm very familiar. It's uh, Yeah, essentially, it's a bag full of beans, and it's one of the random tables, and you pull it out, you can plant a bean. I think, actually, if you empty them all out, it explodes... And yeah, something that's just wild. Something, but yeah. it includes you. Absolute chaos. Is it in the DMG or is it? It is in the DMG. It is in the DMG. All right, I'm, I'm so curious. Or you can pull a bean out at random, plant yeah. the bean, and something will happen. It may be that uh, a, a tree forms, or it may be that you get some mushrooms that do things, but there's a whole load of random stuff. But that's what I love those magic kinds where they're random, where it's never certain what the outcome is going to be. Because sometimes it causes absolute chaos, which I think is hilarious in a D&D game. Chaos is always fantastic. It's good, but sometimes it gives you a nice surprise as well. And it's not quite as chaotic as the deck of many things. No. Uh, which I love the idea of. However, we all know <laughs> doesn't it doesn't work. Well. Um, so the bag of, the, uh, bag I, of beans. I'm reading through this now, and this what is freaking amazing. Uh, you can accidentally summon a treant. Yep. Yeah. 1d6 plus 6 shriekers. A bullet. A mummy lord. You get a or a beanstalk. Um, and an adamant... Um, immobile stone statue in your likeness rises and it makes verbal threats against you. Yeah, that <laughs> one's probably my favorite like, one. <laughs> there are there are a handful of like really <laughs> yeah, even though it's inanimate. Yeah, we've got we got five d four toadstools or one d four plus eight bright pink toads. Yeah, but I love this as. I would use this as probably like the last hurrah type thing, like a please Just, save me, plant yeah. a bean. We're, we're dead so, anyways, save me on, bag of get beans. get a bullet, we can get a tree in, and let's just get out of the room and lock it in with the big, with the whatever monster we're fighting, or you can just get toadstools and you're yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or a very rude statue. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. I like that it's in your likeness, that's probably my favorite yeah. part of that statue. Alright. Uh, for a second. Yeah, so I have a second. Uh, my favorite is the... Uh, the figurines of wondrous power because you it's not random so you actually get to choose which one that you want i've got a bunch of different options but essentially you get little little figurines that fit in the palm of your hand and they're of an animal and then you you know trigger the magic and the animal comes to life in some way kind of like from the original jumanji movie the little uh, elephant oh yeah yeah, yeah 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 i would say that it looks kind of like that um there are a bunch of different ones um but you get like you can get two golden lions at once, um, and uh, you can use one or both at the same time. They become lions for up to an hour. But no matter what they are, they're friendly to you and your party, right? So right, right. Um, you can get uh, goats. My favorite one is the giant fly. You get an ebony fly, and it becomes a large size mount. So you just ride around on a on a fly for. Like up to six hours. I don't know how I feel about that. But. I think that that would just be utter madness having some sort of fireball wielding sorcerer up on the back of a giant fly yeah. weaving through that. That would battle. be wild. 
Yeah, or, you know, just trying to get out of the castle, but just keeps hitting the fucking wall. And can't <laughs> <find the way. laughs> At least it's not a moth, you know. You just, you just put dancing lights up there and the thing can't go yeah. anywhere. But no, they've got they got a lot of cool ones. There's elephants and, and dogs and owls and ravens. And like and each one of them is a little bit different, but they're all kind of in the same similar vein. They're going to be relatively helpful. And I like the idea of getting a bunch of these early, and each member of the party Collect. gets one. Yeah, hmm. and so that becomes their their totem or their token yeah. or whatever. Right? Yeah, yeah, very so. interesting. I love that. All right, Brad. What All right, I picked an artifact weapon because I absolutely love this thing. It's in the DMG. It's the axe of the Dwarvish Lords. This <laughs> yeah, okay. thing is yeah. ridiculously powerful. If it ha- if there's a power that it can have, it has it. So it's it <laughs> by default. It's a plus three battle axe. I'm good with that. But uh, it also gives you the power of the Belt of Dwarven Kind, which lets you just spontaneously grow a beard overnight, or if you already have a beard, get it more bushy. And so, so, Terry, you need this one. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> Me too. Me too. This is <laughs> um, it also counts the Dwarven Throwers, which is a thrown battle hammer. Right. So it has the same effect. You throw it, it hits your target, gets bonus damage, bonus attack, but it also returns at the end of your action. And it also counts as the Sword of Sharpness, which basically does... A crap ton of extra damage on attack. Love it. Or, sorry, on a crit. As well, you roll on the random magical table properties to get two minor and one major benefit and two minor detriments. Right, okay. So all of this is continuing going. If you are not a, if you are a dwarf, you get immunity to poison rather than just resist, resistance, which you get as a dwarf by default. Your dark vision increases by 60 feet, so it's up to 90 feet now of dark vision. And you gain proficiency tools with the art- proficiency with an artisan tool, which if you're a dwarf, you probably have one, but you yeah. can get a second. You can also conjure an earth elemental with this thing. Okay, well, that's useful. Yeah, very. Just a little bit. Yeah. You can uh, use an action touch to action a f- fixed piece of stonework and cast teleport spell from it. Are we? How far into the list are we? We're, it's, we're like halfway through. <laughs> it bears like so. If you're not a dwarf, there's a curse that comes with it. I forget all of this. Stuff. Oh yeah, there's so much. It's easy so to forget. This is, this is the kind of thing that I would give in like a dwarven tomb of the gods or something. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And it can't leave the premises, but your dwarven character gets it for like yeah. oh, three or four sessions in this massive dungeon crawl that you're doing, and then at the end he lays it to rest, and that opens the door. Yeah, just an excuse to start using more epic level stuff as well, because yeah. you know you've provided them with the item to yeah, yeah. try you and can, handle that. You can cast spells through it. Like there's a bunch of stuff, and then the only thing that at the end is it can only be uh, destroyed by putting it into the earth for earth art forge, which is where it's created. And if you look this thing up in the DMG, the backstory on it is just wild. Like, I love forged it. by the Dwarven Gods. This thing's powerful as hell, and I love playing dwarves, so it's a perfect fit for me. I love it. I should look out for more artifacts, actually, because those uh, that was pretty impressive. Yeah. The artifacts, though, I mean, you add... I feel like if you add one to the game, you have to add one per player to the game. Oh, absolutely. And this is how you get your level 18 party to feel like a level 23 party. Yeah, because yeah. if you give that to, like, your dwarf cleric, then your human fight is like, what the fuck? Yeah. Where's, where's <laughs> where's mine? Uh, where's mine? I do the hitting. I'm going to go find my human gods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, human yeah. gods, where are you? Thank you for listening to an It's a Mimic production. <laughs> okay, you're done. Get it. <laughs> I like chicken. I like this. Now mix, now mix. Please deliver. Please sponsor us. <laughs>